Hello and welcome to the Codex Prime Podcast. We are on episode 101 and it is Tuesday, December 5th, 2017. I am your host, Victor Omoyo, and with me as always is my co-host and social media chair, Carl Bird. What up, y'all? Yes, this is uh, the post episode 100 road and it has begun 100 episodes in the can can you believe it yeah man shout outs to everybody who came out now it was uh that was a good time it absolutely was man yeah it was great uh shout outs to reagan uh, hurst for allowing us to uh do episode 100 at rock coco's and uh big shouts to all the guests who came through uh you know steven um paul the paul the filippo uh, Jim Savard, Edmund Afton, yep, uh, Morgan, yep, yeah, man, and everyone who uh, who chimed in on the group group chat, yes, thank you all. Uh, it's been it's been a pleasure doing doing this podcast for a hundred episodes uh, straight, and we hope to provide more of that hot nerd goodness and magic and wonderfulness. And we'll indeed do so. Yes, and don't del- stopping. There's a lot of good things happening. So. Oh yeah, absolutely, man. You know, there's so so much so much nerd culture goodness, man. You know, just just too much too much great movies, great comics, books, TV shows, wrestling, even even sports ball. Uh, but I hear he goes. Yeah, but you know, bougie. I'm not bougie. I mean, hey, hey, I for, I forget. Sports I don't ball, <laughs> foosball, <laughs> foosball. That's from Waterboy. Water, yeah. Let me guess, you hated that movie too? You know, I I don't think I've seen The Waterboy. Oh, Waterboy is a classic. Okay. That that was an Adam Sandler's good period, right? The nineties. Yeah. Yeah, Big Show was in that movie too. Oh wow. Captain Insano. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I mean I'll 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 maybe track on a copy if I'm feeling nostalgic for the nineties. But yeah, we got a whole bunch of stuff to get into today. Uh tonight we've got um The Punisher. On Netflix, that's finally we're finally gonna dig into that. Uh, we were gonna dig into it last week, but yeah, no, we said this week though. I just did not have the time <laughs> to yeah. get that. It's been a busy weekend for me, a busy weekend. Indeed, indeed. Yeah, I hear that, man. You know, it's um, I've been trying to catch up on a few things on my end as well for like work stuff, but uh, but yeah, man. Uh, Punisher, we're gonna be dig- digging into that as our main topic. Spoiler filled uh, review. It's been out for two weeks, so if you haven't seen it by now, then well. You know, you need to get you need to get on that ball. Uh, beyond that, um, we'll begin. We will begin as we always do with uh, what we've been up to. And on that note, Carl, speak to the people. What have you been up to this past week besides being mad busy? <laughs> no, Afton just said no spoilers. Yeah, you may have to mute this one, man. Yeah. Um, I actually one of my Black Friday um, purchases was uh, Nat Two, which is a game developed by uh, Sony Interactive, mm-hmm. uh, the sequel to obviously the first Nat One. Yep. It uh, excuse me for not facing the camera. I'm sharing the episode. Yeah, but um, yeah, it's a nice little fun family family platform. Like I don't, I don't expect you to like it because you don't like platforms like that. No, I like I like platformers. I just don't play them often as much as I used to. Yeah, I really don't hear you like mentioning them at all. I mean, you hate Sonic. Um, yeah, well, you say you you're cool with Mario. Oh yeah, of course. But yeah. did you like Crash Bandicoot? I, I haven't played too much of it because uh, I didn't have a PS One, but I liked what I played. Yeah, it's a. I would say it's long and it's you get that Crash Bandicoot feel with feel on it. Um, 
Mm. I say go for it. I mean, it's not nothing major if you do. If you don't, like I won't. I'm not saying, oh my god, you should play it. It's it's the greatest game. No, it's just a fun little platform. Okay. Yeah. Now, um, I heard that the first Knack was known for its difficulty. Was it a difficult game? No, I beat that one. I beat that one a couple of times, like with no problem at all. Huh. Mm, And this one's just the same. Okay. It must have been the reviewer that uh, had a time tough time playing it. Although I did have run into, uh, I did run into a bug like it was aggravating the hell out of me. Like I had to call, I had to like call Sony customer service like a couple of times where there was just one part in, um, I think it was like chapter two, yeah, about chapter two, mm-hmm. where there was just a game bug where um, you would enter a t- you would enter a tunnel and then you come into an arena and you fight. You're supposed to fight these robots. Mm-hmm. But they're just standing there, and you're fighting them off. You can't. You're destroying them, but you're not. But they're not fighting back. Okay. And then you're just stuck there. Oh yeah, it's like a game breaking. Yeah. Or- so I had to. So I'm saying I had to turn the PS, turn the PlayStation off, go into safe mode. I'm getting all scared because I feel like I'm afraid I'm gonna delete all my stuff and I have to del- download all my apps again. Yeah. But all I really had to do was just start a new game, and I just went through it like it was nothing. <laughs> nice. Okay. Oh. Yeah, anything else? I DJed a party on Saturday after the Codex 100, and that was it. Okay, so you play that trap music? No, and oh my God. I'm about to go into a rant. One thing I remember, okay, I remember we was having that conversation after the 100 where I was um, I was telling you I was DJing. Yeah. And I was telling, you know, I broke down some of the things that people do when you're DJing at parties. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they pretty much did everything. Okay. Mainly, mainly it was just requests. Yeah. DJs hate requests. Mm. We work hard on our sets, and then you come up with them. Th- oh yes, I did beat the game, but um, what was I saying? Oh yeah, so we yeah we like you try to please everybody, and it's just so many multiple personalities in the room. Mm-hmm. Like just kind of just let the just let the DJ do his things, like. One person get mad at me because I'm not playing enough old school. Then I'm not playing enough new school. Then they want reggae. Then they want salsa. Then bachata. It was just mm. too much. It got way too overwhelming. Yeah. I still did what I I I, st- I did what I could, but everybody was not being pleased. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think it sounds like a lot of people misunderstand the art of DJing. Like these- yeah, they clearly don't. They literally look at DJs as like their personal iPod. Yeah. Like your personal iPod. Like my, I DJ my sister's party not this past weekend, but the weekend before. And like a lot of people, do you have any Afro B? And I'm just like, no, <laughs> no. Yeah, I'm the only pe- person I was taking requests from was for my sister. Mm-hmm. It was her party. Like, yeah, yeah. I think that if if it's a person's party, then they're the only one who has the right to make a request. I would, yeah, I would say so. And then she didn't really care most of the time. She was just like, and I told her, I was like, listen, I know we're amongst a whole bunch of church folk, but I'm playing some music with swearing. Oh yeah, of course. Oh, she didn't care. Yeah, she didn't care. So. Oh yeah, church people get down like probably way worse than other people. No, no, no. And my mom's a pastor too, and of course she was there. But yeah, <laughs> did, she was alright, but she, she. Now, did you play all the line dancing hits that you love so much? I, I hate those line dancing <laughs> songs so much. I hate them all. I'm I'm Victor Vader on this one when it comes to the line dances. I hate all the cha cha slide, Cupid shuffle, mm. electric slide. I hate them all. Yeah, the chicken dance. That's the worst. Yeah, it is. That is the worst. <laughs> oh, but I didn't play none of those. Mm, okay. Nice. 
So, yeah, but other than beating that too, um, yeah, that's pretty much all I've been up to. And then plus, you know, Codex 100. Yep. Indeed. Yeah. Oh, and um, wow, I can't believe we just talked about this before we went on air. Uh, the latest episode of The Secret History of Comics. Yes. And it was um, good. It's something we could talk about together mm-hmm. while I do this. Yeah. Um, it was uh, the main focus was Milestone Comics, which was a black owned uh, division of DC Comics, and yep. the that was pretty dominant uh, during. Well, I wouldn't say dominant, but it was pretty successful during the nineties. Mm-hmm. And it pretty much consisted of a of all black superheroes. Yep. And um, a lot of a lot of details I missed because I I watched it at work. Mm-hmm. But um, I mean I'm really interested in actually going back and remember I'm not a DC guy. I like probably own one DC comic, maybe two or three, mm-hmm. like very few. Yeah. Compared to how many issues of the, how many Rebirth or New 52 trade trade paperbacks you own. Yeah. But, um, what up, firm? But, um, I was really, I was really intrigued. And not to mention, they did go in because a lot of the, a lot of the writers and, um, artists, they did did get their starts in Marvel. So they got to like, for, you know, highlights, you know, Luke Cage, Black Panther, and how they came about, and how um, black comics were portrayed before them. <laughs> Dragonfall Fighters next month. <laughs> you guys hear about it? Yes. I'm ready. No. I'll be in, I'll be in time. I'll be ready in time for Freddy Cup. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to hear your review of DBZ Fighters on the podcast. Yep. It's going to have Goku, Gohan, and everybody else. And there's your review. <laughs> <laughs> the one called the one DC comic you need to read: The New Frontier, Part One and Two. Otherwise, go with Batman: The Long Halloween. Mm. Long, long, I'll, take, I'll take those in. It's Batman. I'll take into consideration. Yeah, Long Halloween is excellent. That was actually one of the main inspirations for The Dark Knight. Really? Yeah. Yeah, they actually mentioned that. They mentioned no, they mentioned that last week's episode, the nine eleven one, which I would highly recommend anybody reads. And shout outs to our friend Paul Jenkins who was in that episode. Yep. But yeah, but back to um, Milestone. But yeah, um, Static Shock was a Milestone uh, comic. Yep. Um, then they had Icon, who was like a, I, I guess you could say he was like their Superman. Yeah. And his little sidekick Rocket. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was another one who was like a. Oh man, it was like his own their version of Iron Man, but the name escapes me right. The name escapes me right now. You caught it right. Yeah, I'm 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 having a hard time recalling the name myself, but I do remember their their superhero group called the Blood Blood Syndicate. Yeah, I'm really like I'm really like interested in actually going back and adding some more to my reading list, which I already have too much as it is. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that episode was really cool too. Like, um, you see, you see the creators, uh, Dennis uh, Cowan and Derek Dingle. Yeah, yeah, they link up with uh, uh, Michael Davis and the late uh, Dwayne McDuffie. Yeah, I felt yeah. so. I got. I felt so sad when he sh- when they mentioned that he passed away. Yeah, and I'm just like, he's in the show. Like, how long ago did he die? But then they, I guess they must have used archival footage. Yeah, for it. So, um, if you're not watching Secret History of Comics, I r- highly recommend that you do. Yeah, you learn a lot of good stuff. Yeah, next of... week's the last episode. Oh yeah, and it's gonna yeah. highlight The Walking Dead. Okay, that makes sense, Robert Kirkman. Yeah, yeah. Of course, he's gonna put his own pair, put his own. But 
Mm-hmm. Hopefully, but you know, it was about a good six episodes, not even. Yeah, about that. Yeah, I mean, anybody who's into comic books, I highly recommend that you watch the show. Mm. And plus, like, uh, I like the fact that um, the creators of Milestone Comics, like, they they came back uh, in recent years, like, just, like, even a couple of years ago. They, like, there was footage from the Comic-Con, San Diego Comic-Con 2015. Yeah. And they were saying that they were actually on the, in a, on the verge of coming back. I think They, they actually some, are back. No. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They have, like, some new stuff published. Yeah. And I, fi- I find it really interesting because, like, back in the 90s, when, you, when, they, when there were no black superheroes, like, from, like, black artists, like, they were the first ones to come out and actually create their own stuff. Yeah. And it's, like, they were, in, in a way, they were kind of ahead of their time. And now I would say that I would say that too, and they were actually like pushing the envelope as well. Like yeah. there was one issue that caused a lot of controversy, where um, well, for, there was actually a couple where Rocket, which was I- I- Icon's um sidekick, where she was like a, she's a fourteen year old girl and she got pregnant. Yeah. So they dealt with teen pregnancy, and then there was another one with teen sex with um Static Shock and his girlfriend like yep. kissing out kissing on the cover, mm-hmm. and then they made a big deal about it because a condom was on the cover. Yeah, like they had like he was carrying like wrapped condoms. Yeah, yeah, so like, I mean, yeah, they was pushing an envelope. I I really would love to find. I really would love to find him, Reagan. If you're listening, I got some work for you. Yeah, man. Yeah, I, I I would love to dig dig up the like the old issues. Maybe they're publishing like a collected like trade trade paperbacks, and I'd love to like get, go through them. Yeah, maybe even a compendium. Yeah, especially some of their new stuff that's coming out now, because it's like, because it's like they were ahead of their time in the '90s, but now they're like, well, they're like within their time, just like when diverse heroes and characters are on the come yeah, up. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, so it's like it's 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 funny and how everything comes full circle. But yeah, that's that's awesome. And also like watching that episode, it's like, man, I want to create my own stuff. <laughs> Me too. Yeah, Me too. I have some ideas. Yeah, I'm not I'm not gonna put them out there yet. Not yet. Yeah, and plus I like the the fact that they had like this whole thing that they call a Dakota verse, where it's like this whole their milestone comics. Yeah, they had their own universe. Yeah, like milestone comics took place in this like fictional town or city called Dakota, and like they had like all the backstories of all their heroes and where they came from. Now, um, all the arcs was Black Lightning in that universe. I don't think so. I think Black Lightning's entirely separate. Okay. Yeah. That's what I think. Why is Black Lightning getting a show and not Static Shock? Static Shock was way more popular. Yeah. As a, as a matter of fact, let me ask you. Have you heard of Black Lightning before they mentioned the, before he got the show? Nope. Me either. Nah. I'm thinking maybe Black Lightning's like a completely original character for TV. Maybe that's why. I could be wrong, but I'll I'll, I'll look into it. John Aponte, you're the DC head. Tell us. Yeah. But, uh... But yeah, but yeah, definitely check out that episode if you can. Um, Secret History of Comics, Milestone Comics. That's a really good and insightful uh, episode for sure. Actually, there has not been a bad episode since. Hmm. Yeah, I've, I've only seen two. That one and uh, the Wonder Woman. Figures. Yeah. <laughs> Figures. The 9-11 one was really good, though. Yeah, I do want to see it, too. Maybe if I'll find a way to uh, watch the old episodes. Like. Yeah, I think they're on the man. Unfortunately, they're not on Hulu. Yeah, but, yeah. I think you can find them like on AMC.com. Mm-hmm. I think they have an on-demand service as well. Okay. Yeah, I'll 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 ch- I'll check it out when I can. Yeah. But that's all I've been up to. Yeah. All What's right. going on in your end? Well, uh, I've been I've been catching up on a bunch of uh, trade paperbacks, some graphic novels. Um, I will say DC DC Comics is killing it. 
uh, with their rebirth line ever since it launched last year. Like they're like everything that I've read so far from them has been rock solid. Really? Like like yeah, I, consi- see a little pile. I see a little pile right there. Go on. Yeah, Go cons- on. consistently good. And I do have a stack of some uh, uh, graphic novels that I would like to show that I've been reading that I've read. Uh, first off, which starts it all, which is the uh, DC Universe Rebirth, the deluxe edition. Uh, this is the, this is the book which which kicks off the entire Rebirth line, which is a which is the successor to the New Fifty Two line from DC, and it's basically where Wally West he's trapped in the Speed Force out of space and time, and he's and he figures out that some mysterious uh, force or entity is removing ten years out of the lives of all of our, all of the DC heroes, like Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, et cetera. And he's trying to figure out why and for what purpose. And the and this is and the the, the twist is well known. Um, I won't really spoil it for those who don't know who don't know it, but it does involve a key uh, Alan Moore uh, series, um, for the characters from that series. And it's 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 a, it's a definitely a, a really really interesting prologue. And also I've read some other some other comics too, which are also awesome on the DC line. I've read I read uh, volume one of the Flash, uh, Lightning Strikes Twice, which follows Barry Allen, and uh, this one is really interesting in that um, it takes place in Central City where uh, there's like this huge speed force storm, which is caused by some some scientists, some mad scientists, or so it seems, and it's basically where everybody in Central City gets the speed force everybody has the flash's powers and so like ordinary citizens even like young and old can actually run fast like the flash can and so it's up to wally west to fit or, or barry allen to figure out what's going on and what's interesting too is that um he's there's two wally west in, in his universe there's the wally west of his of of barry allen's universe in the rebirth which is a, which is his, his uh this young black kid and there's the old wally west from the new 52 from flashpoint uh who's kid flash and it's it's pretty awesome man like this this is this is a pretty incredible uh pretty incredible book uh co- collection and i will definitely catch up on volumes two and three and the rest of them on on trade paperback form um so Kyle, what is it that you're looking for he's asking where he find where he find it but uh the delay and everything oh the uh what where do i find the uh paperbacks? yeah i'm just gonna wait for him to respond yeah uh the paperbacks i found i actually ordered online and uh, like there was there was like some some deal going on with uh, Barnes and Noble. I was just getting ready to ask you that. Yeah, Barnes and Noble has a deal uh, from like from now until January sixteenth, where you can actually go on their website and order buy two graphic novels and get one free from Marvel and DC. Now, is it is it just online only, or is it store? Oh, you can in store as well. You, you can do it in store as well. Okay. I actually prefer. I I, love, I still. I'm probably the only person in the world who still likes going in the store. Well, I do too, but online. Well, for Barnes and Noble, online is cheaper, so you get a little bit off the off the, li- the DC book. Yeah. Yeah, you get a little bit off the list price. So I was able to catch up on uh, on some really good stuff. So I so the Flash is, is one I recommend. Uh, Wonder Woman, which I've mentioned, of course. Um, this is Year One, which uh, retells the origin story in the, the Rebirth edition of her of Wonder Woman's origin story with her and steve trevor as well as uh her arch nemesis the cheetah who has a very interesting and yet somewhat heartbreaking story as well which is worth getting into uh one one series which is pretty dope is green arrow and this one is volume one the death and life of oliver queen and this one is pretty fantastic um i can't wait to read uh volumes two and three which i have in my collection and this one um kind of 
uh, delves into uh, Green Arrow's um, his whole his whole uh, stance of being a social justice warrior in the truest sense of the word, where he's all about literal social justice in real in real life. You know, fighting crime and helping the downtrodden. But what I like about this is that um, his relationship with uh, Black Canary, mm-hmm. who calls him out for being this wealthy and privileged white dude who thinks who believes that the biggest solution to combating prov- poverty is throwing money at the problem and and uh, she 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 kind of gets him to see that there's way more to it than just you know throwing money at the issue, and you know being an expert you know, archer. Yeah. So this is a really good really good series. Um, I recommend watch well, well not watching but reading uh, at, uh, Green Arrow, and of course uh, there's also uh, two more uh, Batman uh, the the DC Rebirth edition uh, volume one is I Am Gotham, where uh, Batman deals with uh, Two superpowered beings in Gotham City, who names who names himself Gotham and Gotham Girl, mm-hmm. and he figures out, okay, what am I gonna do? And this, I mean, how how can I be Gotham City's protector when you have two two people with superpowers and they're doing the job for me? Probably easier, making a job, making my job easier. So he kind of has to deal with like you know maybe perhaps he's perhaps he's obsolete, or or not. Well, he can't be obsolete because he's Batman. Obsolete. Obsolete, deleted, yes. Oh, I'll get into I'll get into that in a second. I'm missing it, but go ahead. Yes, and last but not least, surprisingly, another good uh, DC Rebirth title is Superman, uh, Volume One, Son of Superman. And 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 for those who have watched us on the podcast, know that you know I it's hard for me to get into Superman. You know, for for various reasons, like yeah, he's too perfect. He's yeah, too perfect. yeah, like he's. He's a god amongst yeah, men. A, a god amongst men. It's like when you when he literally has only two weaknesses, kryptonite and magic. It's like, well, how do you? Oh, what was, what how was do you that? Attention? What was his other the other person that could beat him? It was like the little um, was oh, Mister Mixtexpilic, something like that. Yeah, there's like no vowels in that name. Yeah, there really aren't. Um, yeah, Mister Magic Dwarf, but uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, but but this one's interesting because uh, this this deals with um, apparently uh, the death of the New Fifty Two Superman who was killed by Doomsday, mm-hmm. and so the other Superman, which which uh, which is the main hero of this line of the Rebirth line, he actually has he's uh, he's actually married to Lois Lane, and they have a son, Jonathan uh, Kent, named after his father. Yep, and they're living in Smallville in a farm, and they, you know they're trying to trying to uh, stay, keep on the low. And um, and Superman is trying to deal with the fact that you know he did he did watch uh, the New Fifty Two Superman die, and now he's trying to continue that Superman's example, you know, of being a hero. But while he's trying to protect his family, uh, the Eradicator, who's like this uh, basically basically Terminator Superman, mm-hmm. emerges and tries to go after is him that and his family. What I saw in the back. Yeah, Eradicator. Yep. And um, yeah, but I'm I'm halfway through it, but I really like what I re- what I'm reading so far, and the artwork is is great too. Yeah, I started reading too. Um, pu- um Punisher versus Deadpool. Oh, how is that? Uh, too early. I only got like one issue in, so one night once I finish it, it's a five series. I only got the first four, so mm. once I finish that, I think number five is coming out real soon. Okay. So once I finish that, then I'll give a, be- a much better review. All right, nice. So yeah, um, that's the that's the rundown for what I've been uh, reading so far for the DC Rebirth line. Um, like I said, for those who are comics fans or 
or DC fans in general, or even Marvel fans, definitely check out the DC Rebirth line because it's consistent quality across the board. And I do want to get into some of their other series, which I hear are fantastic, like Deathstroke and Green Lantern. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hear those are great. So I'll check those out when I can. Right. Yeah, so I wa- so I did, so besides that, um, I've also watched a fantastic movie uh, uh, this past weekend uh, from Pixar, Disney you Pixar. You made time to do that? Yes, I did. On Sunday, oh, I okay. You weren't doing on. Yeah, I watched uh, di- uh, Pixar's latest film, Coco, which is which is a fantastic film. Um, and this you didn't one, cry, did you? I'll get into that. God in a damn it, Vic! I'll get into that in a second. Oh um, damn! Uh, this movie, uh, it's a uh, latest in Pixar's line. It stars Anthony Gonzalez uh, as this twelve-year-old uh, boy named Miguel Rivera, and he's living in Mexico, and his family's preparing for uh, the Day of the Dead. And uh, and he and growing up, uh, he's a kid who wants to be a singer, just like his great great grandfather, who's known as Ernesto de la Cruz. But apparently, um, his great great grandfather, you know, decided to pursue music at the expense of his family. He just you know left them for just left them, you know, to fend for themselves. Who so is a deadbeat dad, and so his great great grandmother. Uh, decides to shun music from their family altogether. No more music, and so. They pass, so she passes down her animus. Her great, her great grand grandmother passes down her hatred of music from generation to generation, and so they all grow up to be uh, uh, shoemakers. So that's the family business, and so they want Miguel to become an, another shoemaker, but he's but he has but he you know he's into music, and so like he watches Ernesto de la Cruz's uh, uh, movies in secret in his secret room, and he practices you know his guitar. Uh, songs and then um, one day he finds himself transported into the land of the dead where all the people's relatives and you know ancestors you know come out and um, he's trying to find his way to come to he's trying to find his way to escape the uh, land of the dead to go back to the real world and it's a it's a touching film um, I absolutely love this film and this film is strikingly gorgeous like Pixar's Pixar is to say to say that you know it goes without saying for a Pixar production, but like the the use of colors, the the oranges and the purples, especially in the in the in the, the land of the dead, um, the the details on some of the characters, like the texture work, like 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 um, you see all the the skeletons, the bones of all the the dead character, the dead figures in the land of the dead, and you see like the like little creases and little like indents and like designs among their in their skulls. It's it's pretty fantastic, and also um. The, the vocal vocal performances are great. Um, you have Gael Garcia Bernal, one of Mexico's uh, well-known actors. Uh, he plays Hector, who's this uh, sort of like this kind of screw screw up who who functions as uh, Miguel's guide through mm. through the land of the dead. Mm-hmm. And uh, Benjamin Bratt plays Ernesto de la Cruz, his great great uh, grandfather. And um, uh, the the film also has a great soundtrack. I love the sense of a uh, uh, culture. Uh, the 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 loving the loving the loving detail that they put into Mex- depicting Mexican culture and Land of the Dead and also the um, alebrijes the uh, spirit animals the colorful spirit animals that help guide uh, the dead as well and uh, the score by Michael Giacchino was fantastic very very well done and and yes this film man this film hit me like a freight train because oh, like towards like because like towards the end of the film. Um, yo, I was trying to fight back tears, but I could not. All of a sudden, 
whoosh, a waterfall of tears just cascaded down my face. I was just a mess. I was, you know, listen, yo, it's easy to see. When you watch Coco, it's easy to see why. Like, I could not, I was inconsolable. I was crying in my seat just silently. Just like, I had a hard lump in my throat. I was just choking back tears. I had, uh, it was, I was just, I was just inconsolable, man. Because like the the end of the, 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 the last, the last segment of the film just really hits you in the heart. And man, Pixar is so expert at tugging, tugging at your heartstrings. And it's earned, too. It's no, not... Tell you, they're experts at tugging at your heartstrings. No, no, no. Like, not just me. Like, I, there were people... There were a lot of people crying in my screening. And mind you, there were, there were a lot of kids there with their parents. And, you know, I, saw, I heard a few of them sniffling, too. And it's easy to see it's why. Cool. Like, it's it. Shut up. <laughs> I mean, like... Like it's it's powerful stuff and it's earned. It's not cheap sentimentality. Like it's legitimately earned. It's the same same way I felt like in Finding Dory, Up, even Inside Out to a certain extent. Like Pixar knows how to tug at the heartstrings in a smart way that it's earned. And Coco is no exception. Like if you watch this movie, which I absolutely recommend because it's one of it's one of the best films of the year and also one of Pixar's very best. It's, I put it in my top. I put it in my top five. Really? Yeah, it's in my top five Pixar films. And we got a top five coming up soon. Yeah. And yo probably yeah, is it? Next week. Maybe next week? Well the week after that Star Wars. Yeah. But we'll we'll figure it out. Yeah, we will. Yeah, but yeah, um uh for those who, who are who for those who are Pixar fans, fans of animation, please check out Coco. Well worth your time. However, the biggest problem I had with uh, my screening of Coco has nothing to do with the film itself. It has nothing to do with Pixar, but it has everything to do with Disney. Because you know how you know how in, in every Pixar film, like they show like a little short film before, yeah, before their films. Well, apparently Pixar didn't didn't produce a short film for Coco. So what we had instead was a twenty two minute long Frozen short film. <laughs> It wasn't even a short film. It was like a twenty-two. It was like a. It, it was a twenty-two minute episode, TV episode before, before Coco. So you factor that in along with the trailers, which was like ten minutes. We. It was like a good thirty to forty minute wait before the movie started. And mind you, the the Frozen short was not even that good. I never. Well, I've watched Frozen. Just never really paid too much attention to it. But oh, Frozen's a fine film. I mean, it is. It, it is. But like the the short that came before, it was way too long, and like there were kids who were getting mad, restless in the theater, and I couldn't blame them. Like in fact, there was like this one little girl like sitting behind me with her mom. She was like, "Mom, where's Coco?" And like five, like three minutes later, "Mom, where's Coco? How come? How come we're not seeing Coco?" And it's like, I don't blame you, kid, because this, the short went way too long. The song sucked, and man, yo, Disney should have known better. They should not have put a twenty-two minute long film right before their main one. Well, Frozen was like highly successful, so I guess it's just a way for them to try to milk it out, just I- trying to milk out that success for as long as they can. Absolutely, I think that's that's their way to do that. And plus, um, actually, there were so many complaints that. That Disney is actually pulling that Disney Frozen short film from from their from their screenings of Coco starting this Friday. So if I think so, if you go to see Coco this Friday, you might not see that Frozen uh, uh, short film before. I ain't going to the, the movies movie. till Star Wars. So. Yeah, whatever. But uh, <laughs> just saying. Uh huh. Yeah, but is it something that's worth it? There are plenty of plenty of movies, it. plenty of movies that are worth it that I that I that I reviewed. Well, yeah, didn't have I a just, chance to review. But right, I just don't plan on going to the movies until Star Wars. Sure, that's that's you. 
that's you but yeah uh but yeah that aside um coco deserves your your utmost attention one of the best films of the year i love it and please bring a box of tissues okay yeah sure indeed yeah it's it's a it's a great film man yo i don't knock i'm not knocking it mind you i rarely cry in movies don't you start with that shit no i rarely cry don't you start with that shit I can tell you the last time I cried in the movie was uh, Creed, and, be- and before that it was twi- Finding Dory. Finding Dory, yeah. Finding Dory came out after Creed, though. Yeah, that was last summer. All right, then that wasn't then Creed. Was well, the last one, <laughs> right? Creed, and before that it was Twelve Years a Slave for obvious reasons. You know, I still haven't seen it. Oh, you should. I re- I've been wanting to. Like, it's on. H- I think it's on HBO Go. H- no, HBO Now. Excuse me. Oh it, yeah, I, th- I believe I it. I believe it still is. It's just it's like okay, fine. When I finally get a chance to rest, mm-hmm. I know I'm gonna fall asleep, and that's just a movie I don't want to fall asleep on. You really don't. So I'm just not gonna like. I'm gonna try to find some time when I'm actually like up, got some energy, don't want to play video games, but want to watch a movie. Yeah. Then. Oh yeah, absolutely. That's that's a film that deserves your utmost attention. Yeah. By the way, you have you ever played Injustice too? I have not. Very good game. Yeah, oh, I, yeah, I find I beat it. It was actually one of my Black Friday purchases. GameStop had it for fourteen bucks. Oh, that's a great deal. That was a steal. Yeah, yeah. Knack Two was like mm. twenty, but that was at Walmart. Actually, I wasn't even supposed to get that for twenty. Really? Yeah, because I went the Saturday. You know, the, yeah, the Saturday after Black Friday. So they were already starting. It was like no, it was like Saturday, Sunday, one of those days, yeah. and they were already starting to. Um, bring everything back up to you know their their regular prices yeah but then they still had that display where it was like i think 2k nba 2k 18 was 30 bucks or whatever and mm. then i saw a knack 2 and i'm like knack 2 is only 20 sure why not so i'm ringing it up so they're ringing it up and then ringing it as the regular price price of um 40 bucks which was the usual retail price for that game yep and i'm like wait nope it was still on display and then of course the manager came in she goes yep still was you're actually supposed to and saying we were actually supposed to like do that like bring the prices up Mm. so they gave it to me for 20 bucks nice and i got the first knack for free because it came with my playstation so i'm like i'm okay with that there you go get those good deals when you can yeah yeah um oh also um also, one one real real, real quick thing. Uh, I did I did catch a glimpse of Monday Night Monday Night Raw yesterday, and I was very happy to see the return of Broken Matt Hardy. It actually happened. Like I knew, yeah. like the like last week, it was like a little tease of it. Yeah, yeah, it's it's actually full on. Like they're calling him Awoken Matt Hardy, but it's the same it's the same character. Yeah, uh, because um apparently uh, Matt Hardy finally got the full rights back from yeah. TNA Impact. So like the character is his, but for WWE, so they can make money, they're just calling it Awoken. But pretty much everything is the same. Yeah. yeah so that way, Matt Hardy, should he leave the company, he can still use the broken gimmick. Oh, okay. Yeah. And plus, he created it, so that's pretty smart. Yeah. But yeah, like it was really cool because like Bray Wyatt came on and he was delivering his usual, um, usual um, sermon. Usual sermon. You know, all sound and you know, all sound and fury signifying nothing. And then like it would intercut between Bray Wyatt, and then it would cut cut to matt hardy and he said yes i am back through space and time and then he's like you will you will i will subject you to deletion yeah yes the you could hear the the crowd popped so hard for matt hardy and i was like i was like i stood up in my seat i was marking out. i was like yes yes I, i even tweeted it on my twitter feed my thing is let's just do something right with it 
Yeah. Let the, the corporate machine, mm-hmm. the creative machine, let's just please do something right with it. I, I agree. I agree. I hope, I hope, um, they can, it, it can inch in, um, they can bring in Brother Nero as well. Yep. Yeah. Once Jeff Hardy uh, recovers from his yeah. injury, Brother Well, he ne- was at Starcade. Oh, yeah. yeah. The house show. Yeah. Him, New Day, them, New Day, and the Rock and Roll Express was twerking and. <laughs> delivering. I don't know why that popped up in my new my Facebook timeline. Okay, but it did. Huh. I was like, God damn it! All right. Oh well. Huh. Starcade should have been televised. Yeah, but they treated it like just another house show, which yeah. kind of stunk. That but, really did. Yeah, but yes, I'm I'm very happy to see Matt Hardy in the broken gimmick or awoken gimmick. But um, I do hope that Vince will let Matt Hardy fly, and and not you know. Put his Vince McMahon isms all over it, or rather the Vince Meek Mahan isms over it, as Matt Hardy would say. So I'm looking forward to it, and um, maybe this will give Bray Wyatt a little bit more new life, and so he can eat that pin, another pin from Matt Hardy this time. He's a heel. He's a transitional heel. Yeah, and you know what? That's the thing. Bray Wyatt could be so much more, but could, definitely. But he, he's just he's a basically he's booked as a jobber to the stars, with great mic skills. Yeah, and it sucks to say that, but. You know, don't blame me. Blame the booking. And I will say, um, um, the opening match of Raw with uh, Jason Jordan, who is becoming more of a dick, dickhead heel. I like it, though. I, I like oh, it, too. Oh, cool. Because you know what? He's getting some type of shine. He is. He's a very, he's very talented. He just needed... So he just needed something to project them. Yeah, I agree. It's like um, it's like it's like the management knows that the fans are turning on him hard as a as a white meat baby face. Yeah. So they're they're letting him lean into that, so right. he can own up to that. And he's actually not doing a bad job. He's not. Yeah, he's like he's being like this smarmy, emotionally manipulative. He's like, I'm your son, Kirk. You know, you're the son that you abandoned. Or yeah, something. yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. And he had a he had a very good contest with Roman Reigns. I had that with my father. I use it too. Shit. Hey, why not? But yeah, he had a very good match with Roman Reigns at the beginning. So yeah, it was actually I did catch. Yeah, I caught the first hour raw, which pretty much, other than that, wasn't much. But mm-hmm. yeah, so um, so yeah, I'm I'm glad that we're seeing Jason Jordan, or earning progress, his, progress, earn his heel stripes, and hopefully we'll see more of the Awoken universe in the WWE. So if you think about it, Kurt Angle was the same way. Was he? Yeah, if Kurt Angle started off as a heel. Yeah, that's right. He did like, like an obnoxious, an obnoxious like what was supposed to be babyface, but like, but everybody was just kind of like the fuck out of here. Yeah, but he just played it so well to mm-hmm. you know to work as a heel. Yeah, my three eyes. Yes, intensity, intensity integrity, integrity, intelligence, and intelligence. <laughs> oh, it's true. It's damn true. It was before he started saying damn. Yeah, because remember he was trying to be. He was like purebred, and then yeah. damn true when he started adding damn to it, just. Yeah. Came later on. Oh yeah, yeah. Like he would drink milk. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that's. But yeah, we're starting to see some positive things at the very least. Um. So yeah, that's pretty much where I'm at, and uh, we've got some uh n- some news and other items of interest uh this week. Uh, first off, we have the uh full trailer for the Batman Ninja anime. I still have to see that, and I'm highly pissed off at myself. Like I know oh, yeah. I posted it, just be like, I'm like, oh shit, that Batman Ninja trailer. Yeah. You know, let me post it. I'll look at it later. And then I think I posted it on, it was like Friday or Saturday. Yeah. Both busy days. Jesus Christ, I need a rest. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, I am looking forward to this. Like, 
like DC DC animation is pretty consistent with their quality. They are. Uh, this is one in which I just might add to my collection because it looks yeah. that good. I still want. I still need to get the Killing Joke. Uh, yeah, I went to the theater, saw it, and had a good time. All right, but uh, but this one, the animation is superb, and I think it's from one of the creators of Afro Samurai, uh, and there's a couple of artists who did some well-known animation Japanese animes. I forget, um, but what they are but yeah the animation looks superb batman in feudal japan yeah the joker who looks kind of like a shimigami yeah. uh kind of reminds me of a ryuk from death note kind of but more twisted if that's possible it's possible yeah because he's a joke he's a joker yeah but yeah this looks incredible and it's coming out uh, early next year so oh, okay. i will definitely uh straight definitely... to like dvd and stuff i believe so oh, okay. yeah dvd and blu-ray just like the uh, other uh uh, DC animated films, so I'll ch- I'll check it out for sure. Um, and you can find and you can find the uh, trailer on our we- on our Codex Prime Facebook page. Yeah. Um, another another thing that I that nice I plug. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, nice plug indeed. Uh, another thing that I found really interesting, and this is and this is for people who saw the film Get Out uh, earlier this year, or directed by Jordan Peele. Um, uh, Vanity Fair uh, posted a video uh, which was a. Uh, which which uh, which is a, a featurette with Jordan Peele and it, and it's called Jordan Peele breaks down Get Out fan theories from Reddit, and so uh, this is this is a Vanity Fair video where Jordan Peele is actually uh, breaking down some interesting fan theories that he came across uh, in regards to his awesome movie Get Out, and I won't get into I won't, I won't get into any spoilers or whatnot, but um but I but some of the ones that I've read were really interesting and I thought that huh that actually is plausible, um like one one of the uh, one of the uh, interesting um, uh, elements of Get Out it was that was the fact that you know how um, um, the the grandfather like he's the, he's he, he's like the the big uh, groundskeeper yeah. his name's Walter or something he's like running all around the yard randomly oh uh, yeah was it Walter I forget his name it must it must be Walter it only begins with a W if I'm if I remember yeah it does right. begin with a W I let, let's go with Walter yeah like like I'll the, Google it I'll look it up right now yeah there's a scene where like um D- Daniel Kaluuya's character Chris he's like he's, t- he's smoking in the backyard because he can't sleep and in the dead of night he sees like Walter the groundskeeper running towards him and then like he just like zips by and apparently um that's because um he's trying because like the the Ro- Rose his white girlfriend his his uh her grand her grandfather was so obsessed with beating Jesse Owens time in the Olympics that he he's using this black body this black vessel that he took over in order to beat his time and so like that was one that was one observation um that that they kind of talked about in the film where where that's why he runs so much and also if you notice um where where in in the film where all the all the guests are coming in on, on the uh, Armitage's property uh, in the, to their house, they all arrive in black limousines, and they all come out and they actually are greeted by the groundskeeper, and it's like, huh, why would the groundskeeper greet all these all these old old rich white white folks? Well, it's because that it's actually his party because remind you, it's the grandfather whose brain is stuck is transplanted in this in this black body and so it's his party so like he's like the the visual symbol of yes like i've transcended my whiteness and i'm in this blackness which i'm going to co-opt and take over and you and it, it worked for me it can work for you all so it's like very twisted and effed up in that measure it was walter yep it was walter and also like the black limousines is like also a, a subtle subtle foreshadowing it's like they're arriving in these like these black vessels which they're gonna ride away which they plan to ride away with in the form of black human beings 
And also, um, one of the other uh, uh, fan theories that Jordan Peele debunked uh, in in the Vanity Fair video was the fact was the was a fan theory going around that the whole movie was a fever dream of Little Rel Howery's character. Yeah. Um, like he's just like his wild imaginings of like, oh my God, what, what's the worst case scenario if Chris is in the suburbs, you know, all alone as the only black dude, and like that's why like at the end where uh, where his character saves Chris at the end. Um, he's like he's imagining himself being the hero. TSA motherfucking. Yep. TS motherfucking A. We run shit. No, we handle shit. <laughs> you know, little Rel, you know, little Rel Howry like owns a piece of that movie. Oh, he does. Like he bought. So it's like, I guess it's like he owns a. He bought like a share of that movie in like all electronics. Oh really? Yeah. Mm, that's pretty smart. Not thinking that it was it was gonna succeed as well as it did. Mm-hmm. But yet it did. Hey, smart. Yeah, and 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 yeah, that and that fan theory was debunked by uh, Jordan Peele. He said that the 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 movie the movie is it's not 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 not, not it's a not real, real story. but it's real. Yeah, it's real. It does, the the it actually happened to these characters, so it's not a fever dream or anything. Like what happened happened in the film, and like it, like definitely watch the whole watch the whole video. The video is like nine minutes nine minutes and twenty six seconds long. It's it's really cool, especially for those who have seen the film. And Get Out, it's one of those films that you you you. you the more you watch it, the the better it gets because there's way more little Easter eggs to get. I only watch it. I only watch it that one time in the theater. Oh man, you got you, you definitely got to get crazy, it. What was crazy is that when we were leaving the theater, we saw like mixed couples. We saw mixed couples walking out. We're just mm-hmm. sitting ourselves like that must be an uncomfortable ride, home. <laughs> uncomfortable quiet ride home. I can imagine like what the. I mean, hopefully, hopefully, uh, hopefully they're all still together. Yeah. And uh, stay woke, as uh, Childish Gambino would say. But yeah, uh, definitely, definitely check out the film um, and and that video um, on YouTube if you can. And also, um, you can go to Best Buy, and I believe that the Steelbook edition of Get Out is available. So you, you can... have it, don't you? No, I don't. I'm not gonna get it. What? Yeah, I'm, I'm good. I, I'm perfectly content with my first edition release. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, you can add it to your collection, Carl, and you really should. I plan on it. Yeah, which means never. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> I do like the movie. I do like the movie. I just I haven't bought a DVD in like forever. Yeah, I bought a few Blu-rays uh, in um, this past uh, Black Friday. So, yeah. And you were still <clears throat> looking for more over the weekend. Oh, well, yeah, you was. I do have a couple in mind. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Now, now that the uh, Criterion sale ended, but yeah, check that out. Um, got some other news here. Uh, we have uh, Quentin Tarantino's Charles Manson film gets a release date, uh, which is uh, very, very apt because uh, Charles Manson just died. Yeah, like a week ago? Yeah, 83. He lived way too long. Fuck that you guy. Know, but, yeah, but you know what's crazy is like, I got the bleacher, well, not, I got the news report, I got the alert. Mm-hmm. People have like mentioned a few things about it and... That's yeah. it. Yeah. Like, the, it just, you would seem like something like that who, like it or not, he, he was an icon. Like, yeah. he's a murderous icon. Yeah, he is. But it's like, you would figure that he would get, like, you would see more documentaries about him, much more people telling the story and all that. And it just mm-hmm. kind of, like, came and went. Yeah, I know there's, like, there's a, a plenty of documentaries on him. Oh, like, there's, the years. yeah, they are. That, but I, you figured it would, you would see them on TV yeah. a lot more now. A lot more since he passed, but yeah, it just kind of came and went. Yeah. Uh, oh well. Yeah, 
But apparently uh, Tarantino's ninth film, uh, which will be on the Charles Manson, uh, Sharon Tate murders, uh, it will be released on August 9th, 2019, which is the 50th anniversary of the Sharon Tate, uh, Lino LaBianca murders committed by followers of the Manson family cult. Will it be to the day? Um, Yep, it's to the day. Jesus. Yeah, I believe so. Because it's like, um, because Sharon Tate was the, uh, she was eight months pregnant and she was the wife of uh, Roman Polanski. And... uh, yeah, that guy. Yeah, and uh, she was brutally murdered. It was. Yeah. Ugh. Um, uh, Sony Sony Pictures will be distri- will be distributing uh, this film uh, following the implosion of the Weinstein Company, resulting mm. from the fallout from multiple uh, such sexual assault allegations by co-founder Harvey Weinstein. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> uh, no casting has been confirmed as of yet, but. Tarantino is interested in casting Margot Robbie, Leo DiCaprio, Brad Pitt, and Tom Cruise. Uh, this would be the first film of Tarantino's that's based on a true story. Who could you see playing Charles Manson? Damn. Hmm. I could see DiCaprio or Brad Pitt. I, I could see Brad Pitt playing Dad, Charles Manson. Yeah. Because it reminds me, because if, you, if you've seen the movie 12 Monkeys, yep. it kind of reminds me. We had me. the beard and stuff. Like like he had like the crazy eyes and he was like yeah. a mental patient. Yeah, I could I could see him doing that. Um, or maybe or maybe like because it's Charles it's back in the sixties, they'll probably cast somebody younger. If that's the case, then maybe. Um, oh gosh, maybe the dude who played who was in the Punisher. Um, Daniel, oh, who played Micro? No, no, no. Oh, Eben Moss Bachrock. Yeah, I could see him playing him or uh, Daniel Weber who plays Lewis. Uh, the 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 young veteran in the Punisher, which we'll talk about uh uh in a mo- in a bit. Yeah. Also, uh, I do see. Oh my God, what's his name? He plays the father. Oh. I'm gonna say this dude's name wrong. Milo Ventimiglia. Yep, that's him. Yeah, he plays Jack Pearson in This Is Us. Oh, the tearjerker show. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I finished the first season. Did you cry? I did not, but I did like the way how they portrayed how they portrayed William's death. I would have to get more into that. Mm-hmm. But him, I can actually see it if I can bring up a good picture. Oh, I could so I could totally see it if yeah, I could, it comes out. If all you have to do is like put a shitty swastika yeah. on his forehead and boom, there it is. Yeah, I could see him playing Manson. But yeah, I'm I'm interested in this film. Um, seeing what what Tarantino can bring to a true life, true true crime story. Um, yeah, and hopefully he'll beat uh, the American Crime Story series to the punch. I don't know. I'm really looking forward to that. Um, what was it the uh, assassination of uh, Gianni Versace? Oh yeah, you told me about that. Yeah, it's coming out. It's coming out next month. Oh okay. Yeah, who, do you know who's starring in it? I read through it, but it's a bunch of people that I never heard of. Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely I'll I'll keep an eye out for that too. Um, some other news here: uh, House of Cards, uh, the sixth and final season is still moving forward without Kevin Spacey. Uh, production begins early, early next year and will run for eight episodes. Uh, Robin Wright will star as the lead. Uh, House of Cards is Netflix's first original series that first debuted in 2013. And uh, following the um, uh, fallout from Kevin Spacey's own uh, uh, sexual misconduct allegations, he's been kicked off the show, cut, cut, and Netflix has cut ties with him. So I think that um, they're going to use Robin Wright's character, Claire Underwood, to finish off the series. 
and it's gonna be eight episodes long. Um, now you watch House of Cards, right? I started to. I stopped in the third season, mm-hmm. so I probably end up like stopping, starting all over again. And yes, I'm just getting back. I was just getting ready to. Um, Afternoon just chimed in about the assassination of Gianni Versace. Yeah. Penelope Cruz is going to be in it. Okay. Playing Donatella Versace and Edgar, Edgar Ramirez is playing Gianni Versace. Yep. Okay. So Penelope Cruz plays R- his wife. Ricky Martin playing Antonio De- uh, Gianni Versace. Was, I mean, yeah, right. I mean, but she plays like a key figure. She was. Uh, yeah. That's a, good, that's a good cast. Edgar Ramirez is, is a very good actor too. Quite underrated. Yeah. Uh, Donatella Versace is Gianni Versace's uh, sister. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of Edgar Ramirez, there's also a really good um, uh, mini series which you can watch on Netflix, and it's also available on the Criterion Collection. It's called Carlos, and it's about um, the uh, terrorist Carlos the Jackal, and that he was an infamous figure in the in the 70s. Mm-hmm. Definitely worth watching. You can find the like the episodes on Netflix. I think it's three episodes. Oh, so like okay. total is like five hours long, but it's broken up. It's like three episodes. Oh, okay. Yes. But it's really good. Um, but yeah, uh, house of cards. I also stopped. I also stopped at the third season. Cause it was kind of like, eh, I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm good. No, cause I'm, you want to know, do you really want to know why I got, not I remember, you know why I stopped watching house of cards? Why is that? So I can watch iron this. Jesus. <laughs> Really, Carl? Mm-hmm. You stopped the good show to watch a terrible mm-hmm. one, and you watched the the entirety of the terrible one, mm-hmm. but stopped watching the good one. She, mm-hmm. this this is why we can't have anything, people. That's <laughs> why that's why we can't have anything. Um, wow, you, you, get your life, Carl. <laughs> get your life. Get your life. Carl. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I I stopped because like um there were other shows, other good shows that caught my attention, but then like I tried to get back into it in the third season, but then I just felt like it was missing something. I don't know what it was, but after after these Kevin Spacey allegations, I'm definitely not going back to it. I'll still watch it, but it was just like it'll ruin. It'll kind of you're not gonna look at Kevin Spacey again, like nah. dude. Like every shit, every scene, like even if he just does delivers like such a great performance, you're just gonna be like, dude. Yeah, it's literally like watching like the best Chris Benoit match ever. Yeah. Hmm. I wouldn't. Well, yeah, I I know what you mean. It's yeah. like you'll just be watching and be like, dude, you're so great at what you did. Mm-hmm. Damn, you fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. True. But um, at the same time, if you but at the same time, like I'm 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 now now I'm thinking about it, like. You have idiots. You have idiot morons out there who still bump R. Kelly's music, and that dude's a fucking pedophile. So what? Is, so so you you can't tell people anything. But anyway, pretty much can't. He yeah. yeah, R. Kelly pretty much has like scandal repellent because people still support that guy. And I have no idea why. You fucking morons. Anyway, let's 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 move on. Uh, some some other news and headlines here. Uh, Disney. Disney resumes talks to buy the bulk of Fox's film and TV divisions. So apparently just when you thought that the merger was over, nope, they just took a break. I'm going to be honest with you. I completely forgot it. What was the holidays? Yeah. <laughs> um, That's li- probably literally what it was. Maybe, yeah. I think that was part of it. Uh, the talks come as Disney prepares to launch two new streaming services, one built around sports programming from ESPN and the other around TV and movie properties from Walt Disney Studios and other companies under Disney's umbrella like ABC, Freeform, Pixar, and Lucasfilm. 
Um, among other intellectual property, Fox owns the distribution rights to uh, for Star Wars: A New Hope, the original Star Wars trilogy. Really? Yep, because it was it was distributed underneath 20th Century Fox. They still own the rights to the OG trilogy. So that's that's why Disney can't release the OG trilogy like in their original form because I, I always I always thought that once they bought Lucasfilm that that just came that came with it. Like yeah, I thought so too. But apparently George Lucas still has uh, the rights. The 20th Century Fox through George Lucas still has the rights to the OG trilogy. So like we're still stuck with the special editions whether we like it or not. So the only way you can get we the did find a, we did find the despecialized editions, hard copies. Yeah, we did find hard copies of the despec despecialized at Comic Con, but yeah. I, I already have them, so like I'm good. But but yeah, um, but also a key thing is that uh, 21st Century Fox does have the rights to X the film rights to X Men and Fantastic Four, and um, and these titles remain the last Marvel comic book characters who, whose film rights are not currently owned by Disney and Marvel Studios. Um, also, there's Spider-Man, which is a joint uh, venture between Marvel and Sony. Um, this, I'm. What do you think about this? Just take Fantastic Marvel. Just take Fantastic Four. I mean, it's. I'm not. I'm on the fence. Not with Fantastic Four. Marvel. Just get it. Mm-hmm. Get it. Yeah. But as far as X-Men goes. I mean, I don't want to see De- I don't want to see Deadpool in Disney. Yeah, unless I... like they do, unless they Disney just decides to make an exception mm-hmm. and like keep Deadpool rated R. Yeah, or like if they could, if they could like kind of like pull a Miramax where they'll like create a specific division for. Yeah, I'm. I'm all, I was like all good with like the like um Spider Man was getting his own universe through Sony. Yeah. Um. The the regular MCU through Disney, and then X Men with 20th Century. Yeah. But yeah, all through all of them have like joint ventures. Yeah. So it's like they have the rights back, so Disney can have Disney can have Marvel Studios can have that say, mm-hmm. but yet they can still put out the rated R material. Yeah, you know, I like that idea. Like, like take the same a similar approach with, with Sony. Spider- yeah, with Spider Man. Yeah, you know, I think I'd be more comfortable with that because, like, I don't like the idea of Disney literally monopolizing entertainment. Where they have like they have Star Wars, they've got Marvel, they've got you know 20th Century Fox underneath one umbrella. Like that's because corporate consolidation sucks in the long run because like you'll have homogenization of content, and I can't see Disney sanitizing. You know, Deadpool, or because 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 like Disney, Disney would not even allow Marvel Studios to make Logan. Nah, they wouldn't. Like unless unless they want to banish Logan to Netflix, but even then, they'd be like, "Well, Wolverine's too popular a character for the kids, so we got to make him PG thirteen. Yeah, so I really hope that if if there's a if if a deal has to come down, like you say, that there should be like a joint venture, right? Where like where like the X Men could be part of the MCU. But Fox can still make their own separate X Men universe. Well, and what's crazy too is like I came across a, a video a while ago, maybe like a month or two ago, where they said, "Just imagine Magneto in the MCU; mm. it'll that, be over." Yeah, Magneto just manipulates the Infinity Gauntlet, and that's it. Yeah, Magneto versus Thanos or Doctor Doom, who would actually be done right, actually. Yeah, dude. Magneto can like squish Iron Man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just without a thought, turn him into like a tin can. Yeah, literally. like and they just really they just like demonstrated everything, and I'm just like, wow, like mm. 
Like, honestly, Magneto in the MCU, though, the MCU will be completely obsolete. I wouldn't go that far. Vibranium. I th- isn't vibranium? It's a metal. I know it's a metal, but isn't maybe I'm maybe I'm thinking it wrong. Maybe vibranium. Maybe they could have spin it away. Like that's the only metal that's like immune to Magneto's powers. But then what would um in the Infinity Gauntlet be? It is metal. Yeah, that's true. So Thanos done. I want to go. So I want to go that far. Thanos, but yeah. I mean, I would say that Magneto will provide a hell of a challenge. Like he'd be like the Brock Lesnar, like. Like he'd be the like Magneto would end up being the Brock Lesnar Thanos would end up being the Undertaker and like you know how that goes. You know, <laughs> but but yeah, I mean I mean yeah, as you say, like as long as there's like a joint deal, then I'm cool with that. Yeah. But to to give away to give away the full rights yeah, of X Men to Disney, eh, I'm not I'm not I'm not kosher I'm with that. Right, yeah. But we'll but we'll have to see what we'll, how this deal is gonna go. Which is pray. Yeah, man. Because you know X Men, they're Foxes. They're they're getting their act together with the X Men. They're X-Men listening universe. to their fans finally. Yeah, Deadpool, New Mutants, Logan, man, New Mutants gonna be so good. I yeah, oh, X Men themed horror film. Yeah, that's gonna be dope. And Macy Williams is in it. I like seeing my Game of Thrones. Star. I like seeing stars from like my favorite shows just getting work in other places. Oh yeah. Yeah, like it was, unfortunately, you know, I love Sons of Anarchy and seeing Charlie Hunnam in that god awful King Arthur film. Yeah, I heard that was trash. It's probably out on DVD, and I didn't even know about it. Yeah, it's it's been out on Blu-ray for a yeah, while. Yeah, if it's out on Blu-ray, like, and if they don't advertise it, mm-hmm. it probably like sucked that bad. Yeah, like I heard, I heard it's got universal like universal trashed uh, reviews. I mean, and Charlie Hunnam's such a good actor too. He is. And 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 I reviewed one of his movies earlier this year, The Lost City of Zed. He yeah. he was really good in that. Yeah, and he was in another. He was in um, what was it, Crimson Tide? Crimson Tide with um, Tom Hiddleston was it? Crimson Tide? No, Crimson Tide. That's a that's oh. a Denzel Washington Gene Hackman film. Right. Okay. No. So then. I think in Pacific Rim. No, not Pacific Rim. He wasn't that. But um, ah, oh, you reviewed it too. Tom Hiddleston. Uh, Tom? I'll get back to it. I'm yeah. just gonna yell it out because I have tendencies of doing that. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. While you look that up, um, we do have a, another headline here um, for fans of the original 2003 film Master and Commander: The Far Side of the World with Russell Crowe and Paul Bettany. Uh, Russell Crowe uh, has teased a possible Master and Commander sequel on his Twitter page recently, where he says, uh, "Quote uh, for the Aubrey Maturin lovers, Crimson Peak, Crimson Peak. There it is." Uh, for the Aubrey Matsuin lovers, I do hear whispers indeed that a second voyage is perhaps potentially pre-proposed a possibility. So O'Brien aficionettes and aficionados, let 20, 20th Century Fox know of your pleasure. Uh, Master and Commander was released in 2003 to critical acclaim, making $212 million worldwide against its $150 million budget. And it was nominated for, I believe, 10 Oscars that year. Uh, yeah, I'm... I would be down for a Master and Commander sequel because the first one was excellent and it's definitely underrated. Like, I don't know anybody else who's seen it. Um, maybe John Haponic has seen it um, at some point, but it's a really good film. And um, Who's the better efficient film aficionado between you and him? Oh, I am. Um, but I will say that uh, uh, his wife, uh, Jessica, Jessica Concussion, she does have a larger DVD collection than I do. Really? Yeah, like and like more movies than I do. Like I've seen like crate plastic plastic crates on crates on crates of DVD films. It's more than my collection, and my collection is considerable. It it is a lot. It is a lot. 
So, hey. Hey, but you know what? Quality and quantity is what my motto is. So, yeah. But yeah, but yeah, Master and Commander, man. I am... If there's... if Hopefully, 20th Century Fox can make a sequel because... Yeah, the first one was great, underrated film, beautifully filmed. Hopefully they could maybe they could get Peter Weir back to direct this one again. If not, then maybe uh Denis Villeneuve. He, I think he'd be great a great addition to to the to the to the project. Have you seen Mastering Commander? No, I haven't. Yeah, you should. I think you I think you'd dig it. It's really okay. good. Yeah. You have it? I do. Okay. Yeah. Uh and uh, I have another uh, headline here. This is our last one, which I do want to get into a little bit because I thought this yeah, was actually. I do really want to get into this because I got, I got the Easter eggs for it. Oh, for Justice League. Yeah. Okay. So go ahead. Yeah. Um. Apparently. Uh. And this and this deals with uh corporate greed. Apparently, uh. Warner Brothers, Warner Brothers executives had refused to delay Justice League Justice League's release date for fear of losing their bonuses. So so if you're so if you're wondering why Justice League ended up feeling rushed and why Superman's upper lip looked all fucked up and fake, well, it was because it was rushed to meet its release date in November seventeenth. Um, apparently, uh, after and this was a this was a story that was uh, reported from the Wrap and also posted on Consequence of Sound. Um, it says that after Zack Snyder stepped down from production due to his daughter's suicide er- earlier this year, uh, Joss Whedon took over directorial duties of the film. The end result was a film that was clearly a styles clash of both filmmakers' visions, which was just one of the many problems of the movie. Uh, however, a report from The Wrap suggests that corporate greed was a major cause for the flawed quality of Justice League, specifically a merger with AT&T and WB that would have been jeopardized if WB delayed the film. Uh, and this is a post from uh, uh, The Wrap. Uh, studio executives pressured WB president Greg Silverman to fire Zack Snyder, but under orders from studio but under, under the order, orders from studio CEO Kevin Sujihara, Zack Snyder remained on board. Uh, there was one condition, however, lighten, lighten the tone of the film so Zack Snyder can stay aboard. So instead of replacing Zack Snyder altogether, Whedon was brought in to rework the script. And so in December 2016, Silverman stepped down as president and was succeeded by Tony, Toby Emmerich. And this was just two months after WB announced plans to merge with AT&T. And so if Emmerich's first act as president of, of a major movie studio was to push back the impending release date of a tentpole feature like Justice League, then it would have been, been seen as a sign of weakness on WB's part that would have hurt the company's value at AT&T. And so after Snyder left the project and Whedon took over, uh, quote, many executives thought postponing the film was the right move. So they actually wanted to delay the film. However, quick question. Toby Emmerich, is that any relation to Robert Emmerich who who, um, directed Independence Day? Oh, Roland Emmerich? Roland, excuse me. I believe now. Oh, okay. Yep. Uh, so, however, so even though they wanted to delay the film, however, uh, Emmerich and Sujihara apparently wanted to preserve the bonuses they would be paid before the AT&T WB merger. Uh, the fear was that if Justice League came out in 2018, the AT&T WB merger may have fo- forced Emmerich and Sujihara out of the studio by the end of the year, meaning that they wouldn't get their bonuses. However, ironically enough, AT&T decided to push back the merger for a second time back to 2018. So it was a moot point at the end of the day. So even if they delayed the film, the merger would have still been delayed anyhow for next year. 
So, and they still would have gotten their bonuses, even though the film would have been delayed. So, good job, WB. I'm a WB. <laughs> Whale off chicken. <laughs> oh my gosh, Chappelle's a take on that frog is something else fuck that frog <laughs> <laughs> i'm really only saying that just because Chappelle said it yeah um yeah so apparently um I, I find this really interesting um this whole this whole this is this just goes to show that like what we've said many times on the podcast that wb does not know what the fuck they're doing with the dceu they don't they don't yeah John. like Stop making the excuses. They just don't know what they're doing. Yeah, John. I mean, I mean. So John Haponic, resident. God, I need to have. We need to have him on the show. Oh yeah, we will have him on the show someday. But uh, but John, I know, I know you've been a DC's the resident DCEU apologist. And a new favorite word, isn't it? Yeah. Um, because it it, it applies. <laughs> um, and uh. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but John, I know, I know that you know. That that you really want DCEU the DCEU to succeed. I know that you prefer DC over Marvel, but if this isn't any indication that WB and and uh, and DC didn't have a clear long term vision for their own cinematic universe, and the fact that it shows in the qual- the poor quality of their films, except Wonder Woman, dude, you you can't make a, you can't make excuses for the cinema for the W for the DCEU anymore, John. You just can't. Uh, all he just sent was a thumbs down emoji. I'm sorry, John. I'm sorry. And and mind you, and and here and here's another uh, a tidbit from the from the news story that I read. Go ahead. Apparently, um, uh, 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 Greg Silverman, mm-hmm. who was uh, the um, who was uh, the WB president at the time that a Man of Steel was in production. Right. Uh, apparently, Greg Silverman, uh, he he actually picked Zack Snyder to direct uh, Man of Steel, and apparently. Some people were like, "Well, wait a minute. Zack Snyder's nihilistic and dark tone. That's not right for Superman." And like during the production, like Greg Silverman would actually get notes passed to him by Zack Snyder, like, "Oh, here's what I'm doing for the film." And Silverman would ignore everything. He would just be like, "Oh, I trust you. Whatever." He like he took a, a licey fair attitude towards the whole production. So like he was like, "Yeah, I'm cool with whatever you do." Oh, what? Super- Superman snaps Saw's neck. Yeah, that's cool. Oh, oh, Super- Superman's a a a, de- a depressing Christ figure. That's cool too. I don't care. We're making money, Superman. Who cares? So it goes to show you that when you when you hire the wrong filmmakers, the wrong writers, and people who don't care about or or have a deep understanding of the properties that they're working on, you end up with the DCEU. On the flip side, if you have a Kevin Feige, someone who's a fan, a lifelong fan of, of comics, someone who actually l- understands and appreciates the lore, you get the quality of the MCU. Now, even though I have my criticisms of the MCU as of late... At least they're consistent in terms of quality. They're, they're consistently good. Promote Bruce Tim. That's it. Yeah. Promote promote Bruce Tim. Um, Jeff Johns is, as 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 the overseer of the of the future DCU films. That's a step in the right direction. Patty Jenkins make her make her oversee like Wonder Woman. Uh, I think that's what they're doing. So that's a step step in the right direction too. And like I said, uh, in in our in episode one hundred. Ignore when you're making the new DCEU films moving forward. Ignore Justice League. Ignore everything that came before it, besides Wonder Woman. Marvel, Marvel did it. Yeah, Eric Banner's Hulk, or rather, Edward Norton's Hulk no. too. Because like, well, recasting, but Eric Banner's Hulk they ignored. Yeah, yeah, they did. Yeah, I actually went to the theater. <laughs> I did too. 
to watch that one. I was just like, whatever. I bought like a little video camera. I actually bootlegged like one, like three seconds of it, mm-hmm. just to like, hey, how would it look? Just to see how would it look? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So I would say like, did these like Warner Brothers and DC do a soft reboot? Move forward with, with by move, move forward with new stories. Ignore the ignore the films that came before, except Wonder Woman, and just like start fresh. Start fresh with what you have, and then they're gonna recast Batman since Ben Affleck wants to leave so bad, and I don't I don't blame him. Um, yeah, that's another opportunity to start fresh even more. So I still have hope for the DCEU. I do. So and and plus and plus, if you look at how much money Justice League costs and how much it made in a box office, yeah, it's a failure because Justice League cost three hundred million dollars to make. You know how much money it made in its opening weekend? Yeah, like half that. Not even. They made $92 million domestically against a $300 million budget. That's a flop. And, um, yeah, so even though, even though, um, even though DC, even though Justice League made their money like back worldwide, but in, in domestically, they've only still still made 197 million against 300 million. So it's still a flop. When no matter which way you look at it, so this is a clear indication that WB and and uh, DC needs to do some serious soul searching. They need to hire a Kevin Feige like figure, Jeff Johns, Bruce Tim, and have and Patty Jenkins, and have them create create a clear vision, move forward, ignore the bullshit. I just hope those egos don't clash. Yeah, that's true, man. Yeah, that's true because, like, if you, if you have, I can see just Patty Jenkins throwing my throwing her freaking power around. Like, you know, you do realize that I had the best movie. Yeah, I saved the DCEU. Damn it, barely. <laughs> well, yeah, barely, barely. Yeah. So, yeah, man. That's, that's oh the East eggs. Oh yeah, so the East yeah, Justice the East League. from Justice League. All right, yes. um, let's just go. I'll try to get the get through these as fast as possible. Yep. All right, so the first one, I'm let's let's call this one 1989. Okay. Danny Elfman's Danny Elfman's uh, Batman theme was actually played in the film for the first time in 25 years. Oh really? Yeah, Batman? Danny Elfman actually returned to the score of the movie as well. So. Mm-hmm. Yep. So like I said, it was his first Batman film since. In 25 years since Batman Returns. Yep, that's right. All right. Um, speaking of um, Batman Returns, the Penguin was actually referenced in the movie. He was. Yeah, it was referenced by Alfred. Alfred mentioned the um, expo- exploding wind-up penguins, indicating that indicating his um, Bruce Wayne's past battles with the Penguin. Oh, okay. So, I mean, how would you imagine the Penguin in the DCEU? Um, I imagine him being like a like tattooed. A- <laughs> with a complicated backstory, now like a goth emo with like a yeah like a, like a tattooed goth emo with like black fingernail paint, yeah, daddy issues, daddy issues, and he smells like fish. He works in like a fish market. Yeah, yeah, I, nah, nah. I mean, I, I, a serious one. I could imagine like a like a, a slick crime boss with like a really gutter ratchet ass fuck attitude, but he's like super sharp. Yeah, but it's still, but it's still have the characteristics of the penguin. Maybe not. Let me. Maybe not like Danny DeVito. Not like literal like fins, but definitely like a a, a nose, the nose, the nose, and like the short I stature. I love Danny DeVito's penguin now. Oh yeah, that was definitely one of the. I, I, I mean, I'm sure you probably seen hundreds more Danny DeVito films that he's done better jobs in, but that's prob that is my favorite Danny DeVito performance. Okay, yeah, no, I'll, I'll give you that. I mean, he's he's done a lot of really good stuff. Yeah, I'm that, sure but... he is. Like, I'm not gonna discredit that. Yeah. 
but like I would have to say that was my like I said I wore that VHS out mm. yeah oh speaking of Danny DeVito one film you should check out of his it stars Gene Hackman it's called Heist okay it came out in 2001 it's a really really underrated crime drama alright and he plays a he plays a, a crime boss in it nice <laughs> yeah a vicious one at that yeah you know his daughter went to Brown University oh really yeah hmm. nice was it Brown? yeah Brown okay all right, so the next one, uh, Janice. Janice. Okay, it's a hint about the crazy villain, the Black Mask. Okay. Okay, see, if you look in the Gotham skyline at one of those scenes where um, Commissioner Gordon is, is, um, turns on the bat signal. Yeah. It was, uh, yeah. You can see in one of the buildings, it bears the name Janice. Janice, which is for Janice Cosmetics, which was a company that was ran by Black Mask, whose um, real name I can't remember at the, right now. Yeah. But it was brought out by Wayne Enterprises, and Black Mask went just basically turned into a deranged, psychotic villain mm-hmm. who was about who swears revenge on Bruce Wayne for buying his company. Okay. Hmm. So um, big. Okay. Next, obviously, well, this isn't too much of an Easter egg. It was pretty obviously mentioned how the Green Lantern. Was referenced yeah. during the um, and some of the Lan- and some of the Lantern Corps actually appeared during the Armies of the Apocalypse mm-hmm. within the movie. Um, the New Gods was also referenced. Um, Stephen Wolf mentions it. He actually mentions his first comic appearance. Really? Yeah, as he was mentioned, how you know how he was boasting about the New Gods and you saying like basically saying like the old gods are like losers. Yeah. Well. When he he mentions New Gods, which is actually the first appearance, his first comic appearance, which is New Gods number seven. Okay. Um, the Superman versus Flash, which was just basically an ongoing like battle between his ongoing race battle between the two. Oh, like who's faster? Yeah, and they still they have ne- there's been plenty of times where they raced where mm. they raced and they never had a definitive conclusion. Like there was never a declared winner. Okay. Right, um, oh, um, the two, the leagues. Mm-hmm. So as it's obvious, you know that at the end of the movie, Bruce Wayne, you can see him like setting up the tables with the six chairs, which is hinting that, you know, he's building a hall of justice yep. for the Justice League. Well, at the same time, with the fight, with the post credit scene, how Lex Luthor, when he's released from prison, mm-hmm. he's starting to form his, he's starting to form the Injustice League. And Deathstroke apparently is the first member. Yep. And then the last one, wow, these were quick. Mm. Um, the original Jimmy Olsen. Hmm. All right. So when Barry, when um Barry Flash's real name? Barry Allen. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Two first names. Yep. <laughs> okay, so when Barry Allen goes to visit his father in the beginning in jail, yeah. the actor who played the check-in officer was actually Mark McClure. And mm. if you know if um and Mark McClure, he actually played uh, Marty McFly's older brother, Dave McFly, in Back to the Future. Yeah. And he was the newsboy Jimmy Olsen, Olsen in the original for Christopher Reeve's Spider-Man, um, Superman movies. Oh, okay. And he also appeared in what I actually never knew, a 1984 Supergirl movie. Oh, yeah. That, one's, that was known as one of the most notoriously bad films ever made. Pretty it was pretty common. Yeah. So he actually, so actually, Mark McClure holds the record in appearing in more Superman films than the late great Christopher Reeves. Wow. Huh. That's a pretty uh, 
A pretty interesting uh, record, if there ever was one. All right. Justice League uh, Easter eggs. So even even a film as trash as that has some pretty clever ones to boot. Yeah. All right. And so now we get to our uh, our uh, topic of the evening. We're talking about Marvel's uh, latest Netflix series, The Punisher, uh, starring John Bernthal as Frank Castle. You do realize he's probably still remembered. He will always be known as Shane. Yeah. I mean, because cause like, it's, it's, it's almost funny. It's like John Bernthal, like, some of his roles are like variations of Shane, like the yeah, crazy unhinged person. They really are. Have you, you remember him in Wolf of Wall Street? Yep. Like I still got a hint to Shane in that. Yeah, he's it's a completely like different character. Yeah, he just feels like some some douchebag like yeah, some douchebag like um. He's like a henchman or some shit. Henchman, yeah. Um, and also in the film Baby Driver, um, he plays a yeah yeah he he had a really brief appearance. He played oh, okay. he played like a sort of like a really dangerous hard ass criminal dude. Um, but yes, uh, the Punisher is the latest uh, series in, uh, in in Marvel's Netflix line. Uh, this one takes place. This one stars John Bernthal, Eben Moss Bachrock as David Lieberman, aka Micro, uh, Ben Barnes as Billy Russo, uh, Amber Rose Reva as Dina Madani, Special Agent of Homeland Security or FBI. Very pretty girl. Yes, indeed. She is. Um, Daniel Weber as Lewis Wilson, one of the more interesting characters in the film. Uh, Paul Schulz as William Rollins, the third. AKA Agent Orange, and uh, De- Deborah Aaron Wool as Karen Page, and Jason R. Moore as Curtis Hoyle, per- uh, Frank Castle's uh, best friend and uh, uh, fellow veteran. Uh, this film, uh, this this series, uh, takes place after the events of Daredevil season two. Uh, after Frank Castle gets his revenge on those responsible for the for the deaths of his family, he uncovers a larger larger conspiracy that involves an incident in his Marine Corps days in Afghanistan, which has far-reaching implications for him and other more dangerous and shadowy parties. And so we get to see so much violence and gore, right up your alley. Bullets. Buckets of bullets, blood, and gore. Bones broken. I love it. Now, if you have not seen Punisher, mute. Yes. We are giving you a spoiler alert. Yes. Spoilers all over the shop once again. Hit Sorry, the... Afton. We yeah. still love you. Yes, we still love you. Uh, hit the mute button. And uh, once you watch the show, come back to this episode and watch, uh, listen to our thoughts. She's going to hit thought. us up and we're going to have our own discussion. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, this, the series has been out for two weeks as long as Justice League. So yeah, you, Same day. Yeah, same day. So uh, No, Justice League came out like a day before. You know, oh yeah, because like early screenings. screenings yeah. But, um, but yeah, so... Yeah, so if you haven't seen Justice League, or if you haven't seen Punisher, rather, well, hit the mute button and come back to us when you do. So, uh, Carl, we'll start with you. What did you think of The Punisher? I honestly thought that it was the realest Marvel Netflix series to date. Mm, for sure. Like, there was no super, you know, no superpowers, Mm-mm. just flat out violence and just real life situations like i remember when i hinted about it or in a couple of episodes ago i'm like it touched a lot on ptsd yeah it did and it just goes to show that shit is real mm-hmm. yeah and um and that was uh that was a concern that i had for the show too like really? yeah because like how ptsd would be depicted because like it would have been too cheap if like too cheap a, a, a like a crutch if you will like if if you blamed like 
the Punisher or like other characters' violent actions because oh they have PTSD and that's why they're you know being violent. I like the fact that the show handled it very intelligently. Yeah, and in a yeah, way they had to because it's it's because you know PTSD is a sensitive subject. Mm-hmm. So I mean, of course you know no matter what, even though it's NBC, it's ABC, it's still Disney. Yeah. So it's like. Of course, they're not going to try to prevent anybody, especially in this PC world, in this PC world that we live in. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if they're going to do something, if they're going to touch on a subject, they're going to do it right. Yeah. Same thing with Luke. Same thing with Luke Cage. Where, like, remember the hood? Luke Cage's hood was uh, supposed to, was supposed to be like a tribute to Trayvon Martin. Mm-hmm. Yep, the hoodie. Yeah, yep. the hoodie. So it's like they touched on a lot of like civil rights and civil rights moments in Luke Cage, and they executed that well. Yeah. They had to do the same thing for Luke Cage. I mean, for Punisher. Excuse me. Yeah, they absolutely did. And um, I also liked, um, and with that, with the PTSD thing, I, I really, I really liked the character Curtis, who was a yeah. uh, uh, Frank Castle's friend and fellow veteran, who actually runs a support group for a uh, uh, fellow former veterans who are trying to re- reintegrate in society and they all handled their own PTSD differently. And, um, and I, I really liked his character because like he's, he was, it was kind of complex where like you, you could tell that he clearly agrees with Frank Castle's mission. He understands why he has to do what he has to do, like kill the bad guys and all that. Yeah. Like he's not, he's not like being preached like, Oh, you can't do that. You got to rise Thou above it. Not kill and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. Like he's like, look, I know what happened to you. I know what happened to your family. I know what you, you got to do what you believe is right. And I'll be here to help you out whenever I, however I can. But at the same time, I'm going to do what I got to do and help other veterans my way. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. And and, and like, they had that mutual understanding. Yep, they really did. Yeah, and like, and like John Bernthal, man, like this is he's like the the, the ideal Frank. If only, he, if only he was taller. That's the only flaw. But it's like it's like you watching him. He use he's like a scene where he's like walking or something. Like damn, he's short. He's a, and then that's it. He's actually average height. He's only he's five foot eleven. He's basically six feet tall. Yeah, but Frank Castle was taller than that. Yeah, I know. Frank but, Castle's got to be like six four. Yeah, but then again, like Wolverine was like five foot nothing in the comics, and right. Hugh Jackman yeah. is not is t- way taller. Same with the Ninja Turtles. Yep, Ninja Turtles are actually like three feet. Yeah, really? Yeah, they were like three four feet. In in the in the comics in, in the comics in the cartoons, they were really short. Huh? Did not know that. Oh, but I thought I thought also they were like average height. Mm-mm. But in the comics, they're short. Yeah, in the comics, they yeah they were short. Oh, okay. Hmm. I I, mean, I just gotta re- revisit those sometime. The the cartoon they were short. Hmm. Okay, but uh, but yeah, like uh, but yeah, like John Berthold, This is like the the best uh, version of Frank Castle we've seen. Like, yeah. like just like the fact that where, like when he's in the zone when he's killing, like like he's like he's, he, he goes into that like he goes nuts that primal state. Like you see that is he a method actor? State? No, he's not a method actor, as far as I know. Well, shit. Yeah, he fooled the fuck out of me. <laughs> yeah, like like he would like. You see like twitches of his face like sometimes when he's talking, like like he's just like two seconds away like from like choking the shit out of you. Yeah, like, especially like in the beginning. Yeah, where like all he was doing was just to the to the sledgehammer to a wall. Yeah, and they and they like the 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 other construction workers are calling him Gimp because he was yeah. going to say anything. Yeah, they literally you know they thought he was the R word. <laughs> so, yeah, like, yep. And then like they were like, "Yo, man." Because like he's like, yo, man, you know what? You keep hitting this wall, like it's affecting the rest of us. It's like we're not getting paid as much. Well, yeah, because he would stay. He would get there for he. He'd be the first one there and the last one to leave. Yep, 
Yeah, and then it was like, and then like the way Frank Castle would just look at look at them every time they try to like mess with them. Like, Motherfucker, do you know? You must not know. I'm like, I'm like, dude. If only you knew. Like, back exactly. up, back up. Just, 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 just keep it moving. Just keep it moving, man. Just don't go there. And like when Frank Castle when he gets into that place, and you could like sometimes like he would like have this like guttural primal yell, like, <gasps> like yeah. he's hitting people, shooting people, stabbing people. I'm like, God damn, calm down. I told you. I was like, yo, like, and and that's and that's the interesting thing about the violence in the show too. It's like. You 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 understand Frank Castle's motivations and 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 like considering the people that he's going up against, you actually actively root for him. It may he, he makes sense. It makes sense, but the violence keeps going it makes after you cringe. It it makes you cringe. Like after a certain point, it's like you're like, yeah, get him, Frank Castle. But then after a certain point, it's like, damn, damn. Frank. Okay, all right, all right, we get it. Yeah. We get it. Did you? Oh, oh, yeah, he did that. Yeah, I mean, I can understand the first two swings of the sledgehammer, but after the third or after the fifth and sixth one, that was a little much, man. You could have pulled back. It's like it makes you uncomfortable at times. It's like it's like you want to look like, away, but you can't. Negan Glenn death uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> so just picture that every episode. <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. Like this dude is like a one man army, one man wrecking crew, and like, uh, man, like th- th- there were certain scenes where. I would just stop and just like, and just my jaw would drop. Like for example, that that one scene where he's in the woods and he meets his other uh, ar- uh, armor yeah. buddy, and like they're getting hunted down by that death squad. Yeah, <sighs> man. It was Anvil. It was um, was it no? Well, no, I don't, I don't think it was Anvil that was hunting him, hunting them. It, it was um, William Rollins. Like he had like his own his own yeah. unit, his own squad that he sent after him. After them in the woods, because Frank Castle was trying to get information right. on him, on him because like he was a because his buddy in the woods was actually like part of his part of his team, and like in the beginning, like the dude was like hiding in camouflage and shot him through the through the leg with an arrow, or first of all shot him in the shoulder, shoulder. then he shot him through the leg. I'm like, damn, this dude is still standing up. Superhero physics. <laughs> Yo, you know you can't even call. But you don't even <laughs> think about it. But you don't even think about it. It's like, damn. I mean, it's possible he can survive that, but it's like. Oh, yeah, superhero physics. Yo, he takes like an ungodly amount of punishment throughout the film. He's like uh, throughout, throughout the show. He's like uh he's like freaking Mick Foley times two. He's like Matthew Murdoch times two in terms of like punishment. Yeah. Like Yeah, because there's been so many times Matt Murdoch should have died. Yeah. Same deal with Frank Castle and he still like lives. He's just like, Oh, he's just unconscious for a bit. He'll be all right. Sleep it off. Pretty much. Yeah, like that that whole scene where like he's in the woods and they're taking out that death squad. Like he's looking, he sees like the hidden cameras, and he's like, yeah, but back to the like the first shit. few episodes when um on the construction site when they finally yeah. tried to beat up Frank Castle, mm-hmm. and then Frank Castle kills him and then dumps him into the concrete. Yeah, the the pit that's still yeah. like being filled. Took the money then and tells you know the guy who was nice to him who gave him a sandwich. He was like, yo, just leave town. Yeah, because like, oh man, I was kind of hoping that kid would like make some type of comeback. I thought he would, but apparently, like he apparently he took his advice, and because apparently, like the mobsters like found his uh his wallet fell out and they found his license and it's like, yo, the show is way funnier. <laughs> what was that? After said after muted us and she said the muted version of the show is way is way funnier. <laughs> I'm sure it is, but uh, damn, Afton kind of hurts a little bit. <laughs> yeah, whatever, but uh, but. But uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I will say that the the muted parts of you on our show is way funnier. But anyway, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> She's so gonna kill us. But anyway, I'm kill you. 
but but yeah but but seriously though um like 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 there was like there was like certain i like the fact that like frank castle's ptsd like you can understand like that's like a driving force for like why he's coming after the people who's killing him but then like i don't know i don't know if it's just me but don't you get the sense also that like it's not just his family. Like maybe they like there's a part of him that enjoys the killing, that enjoys being in that perpetual state of like constant war, constant. I, I mean, I didn't think about it, but it's possible. I, I it's th- possible. oh, I think so. When he killed all the when he killed all the mob bosses in the poker game. Yeah. Oh my god. When they, yeah, they were about to kill the kid, and he just like. It's like the lights just went off, and all you hear is. Pss, 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 pss. <laughs> Yep. And it was only one in the head and the boss was just left. Yep. And I'm like, how did Yeah, man. I can tell you're talking crap. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we But anyway, uh mm-hmm. but uh don't you don't you put that in see? Um but you know what I also liked about uh but, but like I said, like I think that there's like a sense and it's kind of implied that maybe deep down, like if you took away the 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 possible scapegoat of PTSD, his family being killed, like maybe there's a small sense that Frank Castle enjoys killing bad guys. He got a little crazy, you know. Oh, abs- I won't say a little. I say like like a, a lot, but he's like it's definitely controlled and moderated. Yeah. And plus, like I also really liked his uh, like his dynamic with Micro, um, <sighs> David Lieberman, who who's a very interesting supporting character too. He was, he was, he was kind of a douche in the beginning. Well, he had, he had a right to be. He kind of did, cause like the way Frank Castle was acting, and but at the same time, it's like the way like he would spy on him like through like the city surveillance cameras. Yeah, like he would even like like when Frank Castle would put the hoodie up to c- cover his face, like he would still have like the gait and like like his like the way he walks, and like even Micro had like a detection software yeah. for that. It's like I see you. You're in the you're in a diner, and yeah, that that was that was like an interesting cat and mouse that they had. But then like you see like how their partnership evolved like it's like okay clearly we're not going to be friends but we both have common goal here i will work with you and i thought it was a little creepy though that like like michael because he had to basically had to he was shot and he was left for dead yeah so he had to fake his death he had to fake his death yeah like for his family because he had some secrets uh that involved um like i think not anvil but like uh william rollins yeah william rollins and his whole um his whole outfit and that whole uh, conspiracy. Yep, the conspiracy in Afghanistan, like the the death of that in- innocent uh, uh, journalist. It was, I believe. Was it? No, I think it was a cop. No, a, a cop. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, and like, and like uh, he had to fake his death, and so like he's like living in the, in the basement of this abandoned factory, where he has like surveillance cameras in his in his house, spying on his wife and kids. What's crazy is his wife didn't even like nobody knew about it. No. I, 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 and there was like one scene. There was like one scene because they had it. He had it hidden in the, um, in like in the painting. Yep. And she like looks right dead at it, mm-hmm. but she didn't notice. Yeah. Like I was thinking, like, is that is that a clue? Maybe like she knows about it. But then I'm like, nah, that wouldn't make sense. But it was like pretty coincident, co- coincidental. And but I kind I, I, I kind of was getting mad on a little uncomfortable. The way like uh, Frank underneath his uh, alias Pete Castiglione was getting closer to Micro's wife and his family, even he though was, it was unintentional. Yeah, because she hit him with his car, but then he shook it off, and he kind of came by like, "Oh, superhero physics." Yeah, because it takes place in the MCU, basically Marvel Universe, and he's like, "Oh, I'll fix your garage. Well, I'll, I'll fix your 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 pipes in the kitchen. Oh, I'll have a drink of wine," and I'm like, 
I'm thinking in my head, Frank, don't don't I'm you like, sleep with her? Don't you sleep smashed. with her? Don't 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 you do it, Frank? He didn't though. He did not. He which didn't. if if he did, yo, I would have been so offended. I would have I would have continued watching the show, but I would have like this show would have went down fifty points with me if he sma- if he slept with his wife. That would have that would have not been cool at all. I know. Yeah, his wife Sarah, like, but because like, but you understand his wife Sarah because like she hasn't been around a man since Dave's quote unquote death. Yeah, so that's like the, her first interaction, and she was she was she was craving that attention, mm-hmm. but yeah, he was giving it to her. Yeah, and and and, and could tell like, like he was like trying to give her just enough to like be nice. Yeah, but like he was gonna pull back. But uh, like he wasn't gonna be Mister Steal Your Wife, but like, but like there was one point where she ended up kissing him. And he was like, "Whoa, wait, oh, yeah, what?" Um, and then that's the part when I thought that, "Yo, is it gonna be that cliched moment where like one person kisses the other?" And it's like, "Whoa!" The next thing you know, cut to, cut to them smashing in bed. Thankfully, it, it didn't go there nah. because like it would have been a super awkward moment for Micro and him. Like when he got back, it was already a super awkward moment just to kiss alone. Yeah, because you know, because when he came back, Micro was like, like, "Yeah, see what had happened," well, and he was like. See what had happened was, mm-hmm. and the micro was he. He has to drown his sorrows in booze, like he just couldn't take it. Yeah, but yeah, I, I kind. But you know, I I will say though, like the effect of him not being there, like his son was being a little trying to be a little He's badass a himself. Dick. Yeah. yeah, this kid was a dick. Yeah, try, like the fact that he actually hit his sister in the face. I'm like, yo, this kid needs. To, if I if I was Sarah, I would have taken my belt off. I would have given that kid a fucking whooping. Like I, I'm, I'm, I'm not about like hitting kids or whatnot, but sometimes I am. No, Shit. no, that's how I was raised. No, here's the thing. Like, it, I will say this: if, if you're a, as a parent, if you're a parent, if your first instinct all the time is to hit your kids, then you're fucking up. Then you're you're raising a fucking monster. But like, like, okay, that's true. Yeah, I had it. I had levels. I love it. There was times when if I really fucked up, yeah, I was getting my ass whooped. Yeah. And like it like like that like that situation, that was a clear like category five get the belt out moment. She should have done that. But but the fact that like Frank like Frank came over and had that little pep talk with him in his own Frank Castleway. Yeah. Whew, he he made him cry. How does that little boy know about Wu Tang, by the way? That little kid had a Wu Tang shirt. <laughs> I'm like, you don't shut your young after millennial ass down. <laughs> Oh, yo! That, I, I'm thinking about you know that Chappelle show sketch on the wife swap. With, yeah, with the white kid. Uh, yep, <laughs> 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 the streets man. Get in the car. Get your ass in the car. I was thinking about that, and then like Frank Castle, like his pep talk with the kid was so it was it was hilarious and creepy at the same time because the way like he took out the he took out his knife is like oh so you think you're a little badass you know what you know what this is he he described the name of the combat knife he's like see. I can close the distance no matter how far you are. Even if you have a gun, I can still get up close to you. And he and he holds the blade up to his like neck. Up to his neck. And, and he starts yeah, crying. Yeah, but he, he nipped it. He got it. He was like, yo, do it, do it. And he just opened. He just broke down and opened up to him. Because mm-hmm. he was able, because Lieberman's son was able to see that he was a freaking, he was he got a little crazy in him. Yeah, because like he was like, he didn't know how to adjust to his dad being gone. And it's like he felt like maybe oh I gotta be the man of the house so being the man means I gotta be a bully and all but, this yeah and Frank stealing Hassel, skateboard, sk- stealing skateboards and all that. yep and yo Frank Hassel he set his ass straight in his own way and hey I wouldn't go so far as to put a blade to a kid's neck but yeah Frank Castle was a disciplinarian because remember when someone was like oh my father my father goes over and kills Hodges he had to like put him in check like yo don't you say that mm-hmm. don't you ever say that 
Yup. Kind of scared. And he had to scare his son straight. I'm all mm-hmm. for that type of parenting. Yeah. I mean, at, in when it's needed, though. When it's needed. Because, like, if you do that all the time, then your kid's going to be, become, like, a freaking rebellious hellion. And it happens a lot. Like, like for example, like, in the most conservative families, especially, like, especially, like, pastor's kids, they grew up to be fucking freaks and ratchet as fuck or thugs and whatnot. That's mainly because, like, they're... They're around, they're around like you know the church all the time. Yeah. Okay. I'm, listen, my grandmother was a pastor. You know me. I was in church like four to five times a week. Ooh, that's too much. It, it was a lot. Yeah. Mm. It was a lot. So by the time I got eight, you know, got, got old enough, I, I mean, it's still in me. You know, it's still in me and stuff. You know, I still believe in everything, but it's like I, I, you know, I broke away. Mm-hmm. And I just went and went ahead and had my fun, but I still had like the knowledge. I still had like all the knowledge in me to like not get into severe trouble. I mean, I got yeah. into my fair share of trouble. Mm-hmm. Believe me, I'm I ain't no saint, right? <laughs> <laughs> we know, <laughs> but you know, what I'm saying I still, you know, I still have that knowledge in me to keep me from going crazy and doing all types of like crazy shit. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. And, and my fair and my fair share ass whoopings. Oh yeah, yeah, I can I can see that. Yeah, I mean, I remember, I can't remember just one. You got to pick up a top, like yo. When it comes to beating, you got to pick up like a top five. They're like choosing your favorite rappers. <laughs> yo, you know what? I will say that. Like I remember when I was a kid, like, you ain't get your ass beat. Shut up. I I did, I did. Like I remember when I was twice i remember twice when i was a kid where my dad would go in the yard and get a switch like oh, he, would, yeah. he would go into thorn bushes cut out all the thorns come back swap worse he, he leaves like two leaves on it now he, he left no leaves he just like cut out all the all the thorns out because if you leave the thorns that's abuse but like yo i i straightened out i straightened out and they flew right <laughs> shit Hey, that, that's that's beat you out of the penitentiary. That's what they say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> beat you like you stole something. But um, speaking of, back to, yeah, back to Punisher. Yeah, but back, to, yeah, back to the Punisher. Uh, speaking of uh, uh, people who should have gotten more weapons as kids, maybe they would have been a little bit better. Was uh, the character Lewis Wilson, the uh, the young veteran who went in a downward spiral? He man. Would, there was no point. Of, there was a point of no return for that kid after a while. Like he was just so like. He just—it's like he really just felt like his purpose was just to be a soldier. Yeah, and like you could, like, t- and he didn't know how to. He just—it's like in a way, like he—it's like either he couldn't or just didn't want to return to civilian life. Yeah, like he was—he just wanted to be about that soldier life. Yeah, I, I think so too because like, like for him. Like you could tell that, like not only he could he couldn't readjust well t- into society. No, he didn't. He's freaking digging but, holes and sleeping in them. Yeah, he's digging like a trench, like a foxhole in his backyard, yeah. and like he blamed he he was a type he was a type of person who blamed everybody but himself. Like Definitely. he he, blamed, he almost shot his father. Yeah, like his father tried to wake him up, and then he's like, I poor guy too. In the middle of a nightmare, he woke up, almost shot his head off, and I felt bad for his dad too. Yeah, yeah, he he tried. Yeah, because like you could tell that like, his dad loves him, but you could tell his dad also is all scared as fuck of him. Yeah, because like he was like, on- yeah, because it's like he knew, it's like he knew, like yo, this isn't my son. Yeah, this like, isn't my son before he was sent off. Yeah, like he was walking on eggshells. Like you could tell, like he was like being careful with his words so he wouldn't like trigger trigger him. And, and and like 
like the kid, like Lewis, like he would blame the government. He would blame Anvil for not hiring him because of his background. Like, yo, we heard that you dug a foxhole in your backyard. That's you're so, not stable. You're yeah, not stable enough to be here. Yeah. And and the way like he would react and like kind of st- and talk, he'd be like, like, <laughs> like okay, yeah. like you could tell like he's trying he's trying to so hard no, to be normal, but he, he can't. Killed, when he killed uh, the other, I'm gonna call him a fake soldier. Yeah, the fake because he lied about his shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that dude. And he was a Second Amendment um act. Yeah, he's probably like enthusiast. Yeah, Second Amendment enthusiast. Yeah. So I mean, he got into his head as well until he found out he was lying, and then he was. By the time he found out he was lying, he was already off. He was already off his rocker. Yep, stabbed him in the gut, and then like he, then like Curtis tracked him down, and then he actually. Curtis, uh, yo, even though Curtis has a, he's like, you heard this expression, one-legged man in an ass-kicking contest? Yeah. Yo, Curtis is that one-legged man who wins those ass-kicking contests. He held his own. Yeah, he held his own. Unfortunately, Lewis ended up beating him with his own damn leg. Yo. I thought he killed him, but I'm like, oh. That's what I thought, but I'm like, yo, they can't have him, they can't, he can't go out like that. Nah. But like, he, he actually, he he actually recovered, but he had the bomb strapped to him. And then that was a really tense scene. That was like one of my favorite scenes in the whole series where yeah. like Frank Castle came over and like they were playing a game of cat and mouse where Lewis was calling him on the phone and like and like Frank Castle's like trying to like trying to like get in his head in a way like like look I understand where you're coming from you're a vet I know you're you're lost you're confused and all this but it's like yo like what you're doing right now is fucked up you're, you're going against your own brothers and then like Frank Castle like He's trying to stay calm, but he loses his temper too. He's like, "Yo, you're trying you're, you're trying to kill your fellow USMC. I'm a goddamn United States Marine. You're trying to kill me, a fellow Marine." And it's like, and, and I was like, "Yo, Frank." Yeah, he taught him how to cut the wire and stuff. Yep. Like he caught. Yeah, he told him to cut the wire. So then later on, when he had when he had Karen Page strapped to the bomb in the, inside the hotel, mm-hmm. and then like, and I actually like the way too how um, Frank Castle and Karen Page was able to like interact. Yep. When she was when she was trying to look for the wire to like rip out just so she can be able to escape. Oh yeah, like that's that's like fast forwarding to where um where after a Frank Castle like saves Curtis, he cuts the white wire and saves right. his life. Like there's a part where a, a bomb detonates and and Karen Page is like he's he's she, he was she was trying to interview like the senator who was like anti gun control. Yeah, and like Lewis who ends up using uh, a gun. Yup, <laughs> and Lewis like he. He like he 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 escapes and he makes his way like to like one of the sub levels like in the basement, and um, Lewis actually captures Karen Page. He actually holds her at gunpoint and he has like the detonator in his hand, and I, I and like you said, I like the way that they that that Karen and Frank communicated, where like uh, I think Frank said something like something like oh um, like I know like something like look look down or like oh no well Frank Castle said like look look. It's like, look, Lewis. Just like you told me to cut the white wire, and then fr- then Karen's like, cut the white wire. Oh, okay. Cause yeah. Like- so then she's like holding it without you know without Lewis like even noticing. But mm-hmm. but then it's like there were times where she grabbed the red one, and he would like say no. no. He's like, no, Lewis, you don't have to do this. You don't have to do this. No. He's looking at Karen like no. Mm-hmm. And then she would grab the the right one and say, and all of a sudden, Karen, go. Yep. Yes. And then, then she, then he like, then he like pushed him into that freezer. Yeah, and he ended up killing himself. Yeah, because like he knew he had nowhere to go, and he wasn't gonna go to prison. Right. So, so he just like, just went out with a literal bang. That was a bang. That was a boom. Yeah, boom goes the dynamite, literally. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, man, I, I thought I thought he was a really 
really interesting character, like an interesting foil, because like, he was like Frank Castle. If Frank Castle went all the way in the deep end yeah. and blamed and had no morals, no moral like ethics. Um, yeah. What else was good about the show too? Um, when he kills William Rollins. Shit, yo! That was the scene where you're just like, "All right, get him, Frank. Get him. Get him. Okay, damn. Okay, Frank. All right." All right. You, you made you made your point. Oh, damn. okay. Yo, like, cause there was the end where you did not recognize him. He was literal. His face was literally pulp. Yeah, just red pulp. It was like it was like smashed in plums on the floor. Yeah, well, it's like well, you know, William Rollins had that vendetta against Frank because they had that they had that argument back in you know his Afghanistan days. Yeah, and where Frank actually like punched literally punched his eye out. Yeah, yep, had that milky white and yeah. that scar. Yeah. yeah, the thing is, when he punched his eye out, you was actually able to see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was all red. It was like, oh damn, Frank. Oh, think about it. You think punishes like two. Graphic for the rest of the Marvel um, Netflix series. You know, I I, th- I think he he fits in perfectly with the MCU with the with the Marvel Netflix series. Yeah. But yeah, like you can't get more you can't get any more violent than the Punisher. Nah. And Daredevil went there. Jessica Jones, Jones went, went there. there. Luke Cage had its moments. Um, Iron Fist didn't. No, I didn't. Yeah, Iron Fist. You could have aired on ABC and people would have forgotten about it even more. Yeah. <laughs> but but yeah, man, like. It's funny because like this is one where you can't call this a superhero show. This is a crime, crime drama, drama. Yeah, straight up. And you know what? That's what I'm noticing that Marvel is doing. Like I think I mentioned this uh, at Codex 100 last week. Mm-hmm. That is like, yeah, they're all superheroes. It's all a superhero genre. Yeah. But they're making subgenres. Yeah. Like for instance, like Runaways, Spider-Man: Homecoming. They're teen. Like teen, teen com- superheroes, teen? teen superheroes. Yep. You have uh, the crime dramas, which are which is your Daredevils, Jessica Jones. Jefferson Jones is definitely a crime drama. Mm-hmm. Um, Luke Cage is and all that, and then like they just had there's like little subgenres. Um, Doctor Strange, you can kind of say it falls into the mysticism. Yeah. Yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy was um, science fiction. Yep. But it's like all superhero. Yeah. So is what they're doing. It's like they're just expanding the superhero genre. Yep. Absolutely. Like they're taking like multiple approaches. Right. And like with uh, New Mutants is going to be horror. Exactly. Yep. Absolutely. And like, but, <clears throat> yeah. And, and, yeah. Like, boy, but when he beat William Rollins, I'm like. And Home Dude was torturing the hell out of Frank Castle, too. Yeah. And how is Frank Castle still living through all that? Beats me. But like I said, superhero physics. Yep. Like he was like. Like he not only like shot him, he stabbed him like a pincushion, yeah. slit, slit his throat open to the point where he almost decapitated him, pushed his, his eyes, eyes in his in. sockets, kept beating. Of course, his I said Game of Thrones him. when he did that. Yeah, G- Game of Thrones, the mountain. Oh, remember yeah. how the mountain killed Oberyn? Oh, that's right. Yeah, <sighs> horrible. That's a horrible way to go. And like, I was like, I'm just sitting there like. Like, god damn. This this I thought this was excessive, but this went off the page. Yeah, I was way I couldn't wait for the um, like the final battle between uh Billy Russo and Frank Castle. Oh yeah, at the at the amusement park, the yeah, merry go round. Yeah, what was so crazy is like yo, Billy was so dumb tight with his family. It was like his mm. like he had a relationship with Frank's children. He did. Like he was basically like He was like the cool uncle. Yeah. Essentially, he was like a brother, like the uncle, and like, and 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 Billy Russo, he was an interesting character too, because like throughout the whole series, 
like throughout the whole series like he was like he was somebody who was like more well adjusted and but like you could tell like he had like a dark backstory too yeah. like like he was trying so hard to be like a William Rollins like the suits and ties the money and then like there was that one scene like where he visited his his, his mother, mother. And who was terrified of him is like, oh, you put me in the system in foster care. Oh, look what I'm doing now, bitch. Yeah. Like, I thought he was going to, like, put the pillow over her and smother her. But no, nah, he's yeah, like. He just injected her with. Injected her drug. With, with, with drugs. Like, yeah, I'm going yeah, I'm I can't even tell you which one it was. Yeah, it must have been, like, morphine or something. I was like, yeah. yo, I'm going to keep you hopped up as for as long as I can. I'm going to torture you as long as you torture me. I'm like, shit, that is vindictive. And, like. And then not to mention him, him and the way he would manipulate. um, But. Madani, oh, Mad- oh, Agent uh, Dina Madani, yeah, 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 uh, yeah, yeah. The fact that I they had, the fact that they had like you know a sexual relationship and all that, but yeah, mm-hmm. she, she, he kills her partner. Yeah, she's traumatized by that, and he's like, and he's just watching her like, it's yeah, okay, it's all right. I'm there for you. Yeah, I'm there for you. I'm like you, dirty motherfucker. <sighs> wow, you, 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 dirty, you, you slick, you slick haired yeah. son of a bitch. Yeah. And like, yeah, and, yeah. And he was a pretty, he was a pretty boy too. So it's like, yeah. So which, which we'll get into, like that's the irony of that, like in a moment. But like, I also liked, like the fact that, like the if the, there was that one scene where like, uh, where Billy Russo goes to Curtis's apartment because Punisher's hunting him down, and like, yeah. and even though like, uh, even though like Billy has Curtis hostage, you could tell that like he still has respect for Curtis, and Curtis right. still has respect for him. As like brothers in arms, right? And when Frank Castle's up across the street with a sniper rifle, like you could tell, like all three of them, like they know the situation, but they still have that respect where it's like, yo, like, give me a word, like, give me your word. I'm not gonna let you get away with this. I'll stop you any way I can, but, but we're still brothers. And I thought that was really interesting. And and I and I was and that, and that scene, I was tense because I was like, I was like, please don't kill Curtis, man. Please don't do it. Do him here. And when he got shot, I'm like. No, but then he survived. I'm like, yes, yes, because he's too cool a character to, to kill exactly. off. Exactly, too cool. And like, and then you fast forward to the uh, the merry the merry go round, the carousel where his family was, was killed. killed yeah. Yo, like, because because I, I kept thinking to myself, Billy Russo. Why does that name sound familiar? I was thinking to myself all season, like I heard that name before, but then when Punisher shot him like clean in the cheek and he spit the bullet out, I'm like, jigsaw. It's yep, jigsaw. There you go. Yeah, he's like, you know what? He just like when they find, like when he finally gets him down, it's like he just beats himself into, he just beats his head into his face into the mirror, like over and over. And then as the glass is like already shattered, he just like rubs his face into the shattered glass. I'm like, like I literally had to turn away Mm. at that moment. I'm like, oh my god, like just going back and forth, like yo, he's really like doing this, like yeah, he's really yeah, like he's like cutting into it like it's a tough piece of steak yeah like yeah it was rough and but uh, although i will say like i really thought that he was going to kill him right then and there that's what i that's what i thought too yeah so like i don't know i don't know what you thought but i thought that that kind of the kind of rang a little false considering everything the punisher did up to that point like it would have been nothing for him like put the bullet in his head but yeah but you needed more dra- we need you needed something more dramatic like this is the climactic is it's the climax so he needed something more yeah and plus like you can say that well you know it's a little more complicated because they're basically like tight like family yeah. not just like comrades on the field so it's like i can kind of see that 
But but then he's like, I want you to look at and he's like, I want you to see this every time you look every time you look in a mirror. Because remember, he's he was a pretty boy. Yeah. So like every time you look in the mirror, it will remind you of what you did. Yeah, and like, and 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 once he once he once his once he undoes the bandages, like once that eventually happens, if we get a second season, he's gonna go. Dad, we better leave. Yeah. If we don't get a second season, we got riot. Yeah. Like he's gonna go certifiably insane. Yeah. And like, and but I will say that the the one the one part in that in that whole series in that whole scene that made me roll my eyes so hard was when Dina Madani came through. And she had this element of surprise, and friggin' Russo still turned around and shot her in the head, but she sur- she still survived. I'm like, what? Maybe it was just a graze. It wasn't a graze. I think it was a it was a full on headshot. Like she should have been dead, D E A D, but she still survived a headshot. Now I was thinking of like, is is this how it's it is possible for? It's possible for people to survive headshots. It is. Like, it's happened before. Oh yeah, but it's a, it's very rare. Rare, yeah. But like, I'm thinking, is is this does this happen in the comics? But it turns out that Dina Madani is actually uh, an original character for the show. Like, she's not featured in any of the comics. Oh really? Yeah. Like, and like and like and like her character, her character was was fairly interesting. I mean, I I, I like to see more of her as far as like how far she's gonna like take her mission. Like, how that's gonna clash against like being part of the government. And maybe like maybe she'll be a vigilante in her own right, not like the Punisher, but like. Maybe bend the rules a little yeah. more now that her partner's dead. I want to see more like how her character develops because I thought that like we got the seeds of that. She was a good that. character. She was a good addition. She was. She was like she was. Def- she definitely wasn't a weak character. Like right. like there were some weak moments. Like like the weakest one of all is like with the headshot. But like she definitely held her own. Like with the like like in the in the warehouse scene where she led the the Billy Russo's anvil crew to, oh, yeah. to the to the spot and which ended up in her partner getting killed. Yeah. And an interesting Easter egg for that scene too was that like the the producers of the show the actually the shotgun that she had it was actually spe- specifically created just for her to to accommodate for her height and build yeah yeah they actually created yeah, that she's, shotgun for she's her. she's she's very like small yeah so they had to make a, a special shotgun for her for that scene and it worked but yeah I like to see I like to see more of where her character goes for sure and um, yeah uh, but yeah the 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 ending is definitely interesting and. You said you haven't seen Punisher Warzone, right? Right. Um, in Punisher Warzone, the main the main villain is Jigsaw, and he's played by Dominic West, who's in The Wire. Okay. And yo, <laughs> you should you should see Punisher Warzone just for Dominic West's performance as Jigsaw because he hams his his performance is just like one big deli delicatessen. That's how hammy his performance is, oh, like. It, it it's it's hilarious. It's so bad. It it's so bad. It's almost good. That's how. That's how. That's where his performance is at. Pootie Tang level. I haven't seen Pootie Tang, but oh, Pootie Tang is such a Pootie Tang is basically say no to drugs, but yet you love it. <laughs> but it's yeah. so, so Pootie Tang is such a stupid movie that is so good. Mm. Yeah, but but yeah, Punisher Warzone. It's worth seeing just for just for Dominic West's interpretation of Jigsaw. It's interesting to say the least. All right. But yeah, any final thoughts on uh, The Punisher on Netflix? Watch it. I got nothing else to say. Watch it. Yes, uh, watch the show. And uh, my my final word on The Punisher is that like uh, I'll say John Bernthal is is the best, the best version. Ca- yeah, he's the best version of Frank Castle yeah. that we got. Yeah, he's the best version of Frank Castle. Like so far, because if you look back at the other ones, like Dolph Lundgren, garbage. To- 
total garbage, total, totally miscast. Thomas Jane, he didn't have the look, but he had the attitude of Frank Castle. I, I, I can see that. Uh, Ray Stevenson had the look and the attitude, but the movie itself was lackluster. Lackluster. John Bernthal nails both, and the the series itself is great. So everything comes together with with Bernthal's version. So watch The Punisher. If you have a if you're kind of sensitive towards like violence, then definitely keep that this in mind. This is gonna be turning away a lot, but please still watch yeah. it. Yeah, watch it, watch it, watch it with your eye peeking peeking between your fingers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yes, uh that's the Punisher. Um it, let us let, let us know what you think about the show, Podcast at gmail.com or leave us leave a message in the group chat or on our Facebook page. And we do have one email from our Resident supervillain, our resident supervillain John Haponic, who emails us. The hell you want, John? A uh, subject line of his email reads: "Justice League saves the day, and Wonder Woman saves DC." What an epic movie! <laughs> while I admittedly didn't, while it admittedly did not meet Wonder Woman standards, Justice League was far better than than Thor Ragnarok, aka Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. DC created another fun action film that had a comic book feel in an already oversaturated, spoiled market. I'm excited about the possibility of the Legion of Doom. I'm also surprised how how much I liked Cyborg, Superman, and Flash. Lastly, Deathstroke looked incredible. Looking forward to the next few films. Always unbiased and right, John Haponic. And you'll enjoy this one. P.S. The Avengers Infinity War trailer was a resounding meh. Yeah, I'll go see it. And while I am curious to see many characters on screen, I'm going with low expectations. Thanos looks like an awkward CGI mess. You can't say he looks any better than Steppenwolf. Hold on. Also, on principle, Victor, the whole movie will be one giant light show. Okay, John, listen. <sighs> listen, John, your Marvel, your anti-Marvel bias shines through in a major way, more so than anything else you have said through email on this podcast. You mean to tell me that Thanos looks Thanos' CG looks looks just as bad as Steppenwolf? Are you kidding me, John? You can actually see that it is Josh Brolin. Damn, Josh Brolin's gonna be kicking it. He's gonna be kicking as this. He's gonna have yeah. probably the best year in acting. Oh yeah, off of two movies that's gonna come out within like months of each other. Yep, with Deadpool two, Cable. When is Deadpool two coming out? I think February. Oh, okay, I think so. Yeah, but yo, Thanos, Thanos. I I agree. Like like an all CG Thanos might on the surface seem a little. I don't know about this, but it looks it looks way more detailed and way more realistic. Than, than Steppenwolf. Steppenwolf. Steppenwolf looks like they ran out of money. And they had $300 million. And they ran out of time, too. They ran out of time. That's what it was. And mind you, Steppenwolf looks like looks like a character from a first-generation launch title for the for the PS4. That's what he looks like. From a from a PS4 first-generation launch title cutscene. He looks like Yoshimitsu from Tekken. <laughs> Yo. He looks like Yoshimitsu from Tekken 4. He looks like Mal Bozier from Spawn. <laughs> Damn. Mal Bo- Damn. Yo. 
yo, Steppenwolf looks Steppenwolf looks marginally better than than the CG than the CG characters from the 1997 Spawn movie, and that's a slight exaggeration. Thanos looks photorealistic. Okay, he looks like he's actually there in the scene. You think John's just saying is just to piss us off? I think he is. Okay, <laughs> I think he is because because like I said, John John did see the light by saying that Batman versus Superman is terrible. He agrees with us, but. Come on, I, I I understand that you had fun with Justice League. I know by by default it's more fun than Suicide Squad and Batman versus Superman, but that's not saying much. Come on, dude, you can't you can't look at Avengers: Infinity War and say that it's meh, it's whatever. Come on, I mean you got to give Marvel their props. This is the culmination of uh, of, of of a studio that understands its properties of a studio that has a long-term plan and has successfully realized that plan, okay? That's how you get things done. DC can actually learn a thing or two from Marvel. DC's too busy trying not to be Marvel. Exactly, yeah. So, so John, please get your life. Get, on the, get, on, get off the DCEU train. I mean, come on. You're not being real. You're not being real with us. You're not being real with yourself. Just know that. All right. And Afton's actually saying, "Hey, you guys were right about how soon that sledgehammer, that damn sledgehammer, came through crazy." So mm-hmm. she started watching. Good for you, Afton. Good. Good for you. Good. All right. So, um, question of the week. All right. We head out. All right. Um, we didn't get any responses for last, you know, for the last one. So uh, we're not going to get into that, unfortunately. Okay. But um. This week, name two superheroes that you would do a fusion with. A fusion? Like like combine them into one character? Yes. Hmm. Well. I, can't, I haven't even thought of one either. Dark Claw is already taken. Yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. Don't even think of it. You, it's be, you pretty much just say, oh, I'm not going to take. I'm just not going to do DC. Marvel and DC. Um, a fusion. Uh, man, that's that's a that's a really tough one. Uh, if I had to do a fusion of of two two superheroes or or, or two comic book characters, probably have to. I would have to go with my favorites. I mean, it's hard to like to picture it, but simply because they're my favorites, Goku and Spawn. Okay, what? That's that's pretty random as hell. It's very random. I'm just saying, just those are my favorites, but. I don't know. This is a hard one. Mm. Um, I would Maybe say Punisher and Deadpool, but that already exists. Oh, oh, you mean like a fusion? A fu- oh no. Hmm. I'm actually kind of curious to see what that would be like. Actually, um, I would say. Okay. What 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 what, what did she say? I just said media man and blank man. <laughs> You know what? I think that wins. Meteor, really? Oh my god! <laughs> Meteor Man and Blank Man. Oh, bravo, <laughs> bravo. Um, okay, just just two random ones. I would say Wonder Woman and Black Widow. And I'm thinking maybe because I'm thinking of like um, Wonder Woman, like how it took place in World War One. Yeah. I'm thinking like maybe you can like do a little like espionage thriller. Like you can have like Wonder Woman like infiltrate some 
maybe like go back to Themyscira and maybe like the Russians have invaded Themyscira somehow and then she could be like a spy that kind of works for like the Kremlin somehow and you can kind of or like some black ops group yeah and you can kind of you can kind of make it work that way so like like a like a Wonder Woman Black Widow espionage thriller type deal that could work uh, yeah. Dryden Lewis says I refuse to watch Justice League in the theater Zack Snyder needs to stop making comic book movies facts he's he still it's like he's riding off a one. Mm. It's three hundred. And that wasn't yeah. even a superhero movie. Well it was a comic well, book, but two because if you if you count Watchmen. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um yeah, I agree. Like red, red box. Green Goblin? That's just too much green. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I would watch that just just out of principle. Um You would. Yeah, I would. Or <laughs> Yeah, there's there's a yeah, you know what? There's there's I'm sure I'm sure there's a whole bunch that I'll probably think about like after the podcast and be like, damn, I should have said that on, on the air. But but yeah, but yeah, whatever your whatever your wacky fusion ideas are, leave us a leave us a comment uh below or on the question of the week or email us email us at codexprintpodcast at gmail dot com. She said they were born in the room. <laughs> hey, listen, green is the color of life. Okay? Get yours. So uh Carl, any other uh thoughts and whatnot oh man just now thank you for tuning in um i'm still laughing at this thing (laughs) so yeah thank you for tuning in you can find us on all social media sites uh twitter facebook instagram um email us codexprimepodcast at at gmail.com leave us a five-star review on itunes and just spread the love you know just um you know share subscribe and there's things that there's um, great things on the horizon, so you may want to stay tuned for that. Absolutely, and um, and as always, we thank you for watching. Thank you for tuning in. Um, SoundCloud, uh, YouTube, uh, Google Play. Yeah, you can find us pretty much everywhere. So yes, uh, thank you for watching. Thank you for for tuning in. And as always, we will catch you on the flip. Peace out, nerds. Later.